Yo, 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 on a on a night like this where we get, I would still say two really good games, especially the second game. Um, I'm recording this right after the Grizzlies just uh, uh, tied the series with the Warriors uh, for game two. I would say we got two really good games. You know, I would say we had two really good games. Um, I'm going to just, also I'm going to touch on, you know, some music stuff about the Kendrick stuff. That'll be probably like the end of the end of this, you know, uh, pod right here. But I have to react, man, because just like how Draymond wanted to react after Game One, getting on this podcast, I'll do the same thing. Because right after this game, I have to just talk about it. It was just such a fantasy, you know, great game. John Moran had what forty five, I think. Man, John Moran was incredible. He was incredible. Probably like the best game he's probably ever played. I would say that because you have higher expectations now with the Grizzlies as a two seed this season. Now, even though people have them losing this series, but still, you're going to against a great, I almost say, no, great, okay, a great Warriors team, at least a championship contending Warriors team, right? And if you go down 2-0, series is pretty much over. Like, the series is pretty much done. It's pretty much, you know, because you know the Warriors are going to protect home court, you know, probably win game three and game four or maybe win um, one out of the two for sure. So you could be coming back home, you know, still tied 2-2, but it's like, uh, um, but, man, John Morant was incredible. The shots that he was hitting, now he's not the this great three-point shooter. I think he shot like 34% in the regular season from three, but he was hitting those threes. The night he was the best three-point shooter game two. And I know that's crazy when the other side got Jordan Poole, got Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, but he was like the best three-point shooter tonight. Um, you got to give him his credit. I've been, you know, saying that John Moran is like a top 10 player in the NBA right now, but this performance like really solidified it for me. Like he's absolutely a top 10 player in this league. He's a superstar. Like I know against, you know, Timberwolves, he wasn't really all that good first round, but I think now he just really showed like, I mean, when you combine the regular season and this, like he's going to finish either, you're not going to finish first team, but most likely second team or, or uh, NBA. And, you know, he's just, I mean, he's just so fast. He has, I was saying this, do Jamara have the best layup package right now in the NBA? Like him and Kyrie Irving, do he have the best layup package right now? Like, Every time he goes up for a layup, I think that he's going to find a way to put the ball in the rim. Like, he has such control over his body and stuff. And the fact that he, again, wasn't recruited at all coming out of high school, really, was a zero-star recruit, got his way into a D1, and now he's easily one of the 10 best players right now in the NBA or top 15 for sure. You know, it's, you know, great. Like, it's fun to watch. He's such an entertaining player to, you know, to watch. You know, he's going to get on social media and talk. You know, he's going to talk trash during the game. He really represents the young the young era that we live in today. Like, a lot of these teenagers, if they was in the NBA, they would behave the way John Morant behaves. I know I might behave a little bit the way John Morant behave, uh, uh, behaves. I'm not a teenager. I'm 23. But, you know, John's just a fun player to watch, man. Like, he's just a fun player to watch. Um... A uh, 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 Bane. Well, first of all, I gotta get to the Dylan Brooks falling 
Gary Payton a second. That was a dirty play. I don't care. I don't want to hear no defense. He deserved to be ejected. I feel like he should be... Okay, I don't know if it's worth suspending, but I wouldn't be mad at it for sure. I would not complain about it if he was suspended for game three. But I think ejected him, and it'll just stay that. He'll be, you know, ejected or whatever. The fact that Gary Payton is pretty much done for the series, I don't have a timetable. You know, I'm not a doctor, but... Reports that he fractured his left elbow, that's not good. No way you're coming back that early. And Gary Payton made a couple of big shots in game one. Like, he makes those big shots, like, that you want a role player to make. And he's probably their best perimeter defender. So the fact that he's not out there, like, he was literally in the starting lineup to start that game because they knew the matchup they had against the Memphis Grizzlies and the problems that he could possibly cause for a John Morant. Gary Payton is... You know, he's small, but he's strong. He's very good at stealing the ball. He's very good at, you know, just being that great uh, defender, you know. Um, and the fact that he wasn't out there, and granted, I don't know how much he really would have stopped Ja. Like, Ja was just making every single tough play that you can make. But still, he's another good player that the Warriors don't have out there right now. So um, it definitely sucks for the Warriors. And that was just a dirty play. No, no defense for Dylan Brooks. I'm sick of people hyping up Brooks like defense so much, by the way, as well. Like, whatever. It is what it is. That was a dirty play. I don't like it at all. Um, to the rest of the game, though, from the Grizzly side, Jaron Jackson again got in foul trouble. He he has to find some ways. Same way as like Cat. Basketball IQ has to he has to really look into what he's doing wrong. Because just like Cat in the first round. He was being called for fouls, and they were legit fouls. Like, you can't get mad, really, at the rest for the fouls that was being called on Jaron Jackson. Like, it is what it is. You have to be a smarter player. You have to understand that your foul trouble is hurting the team. You're a plus on defense, and you can occasionally hit a shot. You can occasionally, you know, get a bucket for the Grizzlies. John maybe wouldn't have had to go for 45 if he was out there for the last few minutes of that fourth quarter. And especially in Golden State, he will be needed. Um, so hopefully he just plays smarter out there. Like, I don't know what's up with transaction. You already got his bag, you know. Already got his bag. And he's been a big, you know, part of why they've been so good this season. So, it, you know, you live with the good, live with the bad. Um, he is still very young, but he has to work on just becoming a smarter player, in my opinion. Um, I think the next thing I wanted to touch on was Bane's uh, injury. That back injury definitely seems like it's having some type of effect on Bane. I don't feel like he's moving around the court, playing with the same confidence on offense. I would, I want to go back and watch. This is like my, like the game just ended 30, 40 minutes ago, maybe like an hour ago. So I haven't really gone back and watched, but I really want to go back and see did the Warriors really attack Bane like that? Like, did they really go after him? Uh, because a guy with a back injury, you might want to, you know, go after him, you know. Um, but, I feel like he's very important to the Grizzlies. I think I maybe him or Poole, I think I said they were my most approved players. Like Desmond Bain, he, if anybody on the Grizzlies deserved the award for most approved, I know Ja got it. I'm not mad at Ja getting it, but I feel like Desmond Bain should have got the award um, on that Grizzlies team. He's a big part of that team. He can really just drop almost 30, you know, very like hitting shot after shot, like a very efficient 30 he could just drop. Um, in the flow of the offense and not having him out there playing his usual self, I think it definitely hurts the Grizzlies. Like, it's going to be injuries on both sides for everybody in the playoffs. Um, but 
you know, so it, it is what it is. I feel like he's still due for, like, a big game, though. Like, I still feel like Desmond Man is going to find a way to have a big game somehow. Like, he's not going to miss game three or game four unless we hear something, something crazy. Like, that back injury is really, really bad. But I feel like he's still going to have maybe not, like, a 30-point game, but still a big game somehow. Um, I could just see it from a vein. Um, Milton from, uh, uh, for the Grizzlies, I think he had – a couple of big blocks, especially in the fourth quarter where uh, Steph was driving to the rim. He had a really good layup. Milton had that great block, I believe. That was Milton. Um, that was nice from him. Usually, you just think of him as like this shooter, this guy that can get hot from three. But the fact that he played that good defense in that moment where he kind of maybe, you know, been scared to foul Steph, he got up there, made a huge block. You know, that had to have been the last, like, three or four minutes of the fourth quarter. So that was a huge block in the game. Those are the type of plays that don't really, you know, see on the highlights on ESPN. But if you watch the games, you understand how you understand how big those uh, plays are. You know, you're home, and that gives you momentum. You know, it's just a big play. Um, on the Warriors' side, Clay was terrible. Clay was horrible, horrible, horrible. Horrible. And Clay definitely looks like he's lost a step right now on the defensive side of the ball. He easily can be attacked and exposed on that end of the court. And I think it's sad because we know what Clay Thompson was on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so the fact that he's not that right now. But to give Clay a little bit of, you know, uh, bail, Ja was just, again, Ja was just incredible. Like he was hitting, go back and watch those tough floaters, those tough runners, those tough, you know, like, like, it was tough layups like he was hitting. It was just amazing offense from John Morant. A, a superstar was doing superstar things. So I would still give Clay some uh, some bill on that. But, yeah, it's just sad to see him on the defensive side of the ball and not be who he was. Um, some of those early, like, shots that Clay gets were, like, the ball's coming up the floor, he's dribbling, and he just takes, like, this this three or, like, this mid-range jumper. That's a, that's a tough shot. It's weird because Clay absolutely makes that shot. I've seen him do it this season multiple times, but it's like sometimes he really misses the shot, and you don't want to give Memphis a quick early shot and you miss it, and are they going back down the court for a fast break? They're a team that love to play in transition. Like, they thrive in that. John Morant thrives in that. He loves to drive the ball to the rim. In a fast break opportunity, he's going to take it every single time. So I feel like uh, Clay, some of those early shots, it's like you don't want him to really shoot those, but it's like, uh, I do – Say a lot of the shots that he did take, Clay, those are good shots for Clay. Like, so I can't really rag on him that much for his shot selection, but hopefully, just in the rhythm of the offense, he, you know, shoots the ball, you know, better, you know. But this is another thing about Clay, man. People always want to talk about what Steph did or didn't do in the playoffs, but people always forget Clay is usually even worse than Steph in the front. Like, Steph is actually really good in the playoffs and in the finals throughout his career. Clay, though, go through the years of the first finals, the second one. Like, they blew that 3-1 lead and everybody focused on Steph, which understandably so. He was the unanimous MVP of the league that season. And I'm not trying to get super sidetracked, you know, until years ago. But I'm just pointing out the fact that Clay has his bad, bad games in the playoffs, in the finals. Like, every single finals, he doesn't really light it up. That's why against Toronto, the last finals the Warriors was in, for Clay to be that amazing was kind of like fun to see because usually in the finals he don't really go off like that. Um, so yeah, and, and it's so weird. Like everybody on NBA Twitter gets slandered, so it's not 
nothing, you know, uh, super outlandish or like crazy to see. But the fact that Clay Thompson is really getting slandered right now, it feels so weird, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm seeing Clay Thompson get slandered right now. It's like, ugh, like this is so weird right now. Like, I don't know. It's just so crazy to me. Um, Poop, Poop play well. I feel like Wiggins still play well. He got some big uh, rebounds. Hopefully, they could tell Wiggins like continue to do that. Because if, if Wiggins is getting those rebounds and getting those second chance opportunities, which the Warriors did, uh, you know, uh, score off of those, you know, rebounds that Wiggins got. But next, you know, couple of games at home, if if the Warriors really handled their business on offense, because it was a sloppy game for the Warriors on uh, offense. I give the Grizzlies some credit, but mostly it was just the Warriors really just. You, you go back and watch, honestly, no, no offense to the Grizzlies, but. The Warriors was really sloppy on offense, and that was really just because of the Warriors being sloppy on offense. That, that like, 30 assists, you know, thing they got where it's a certain number of assists they want per game. It could work out, obviously, and sometimes it doesn't. Tonight, it just didn't didn't uh, uh, work out for them. So if Wiggins is getting those boards and they're really winning on the board, surprisingly, imagining that the Warriors play somewhat, you know, less sloppy, you know, Steph, makes better passes, they have better chemistry on, you know, some of those passes coming off of screens, coming off of, you know, flares and stuff. I feel like it could be really big for the Warriors. So I would still give Wiggins some credit for how he performed. Um, missed some pretty big shots of wide open, you know. Um, so, but that's just Wiggins. I highly doubt, because he really knows that he's solidified in that fourth scoring option spot, on top of the fact that even if he was more important to the offense, Wiggins is just not that reliable, period, to give you 25. You know what I mean? Like, he's just not that reliable no matter what. Um, but it would be nice to see if you're a Warriors fan for him to just come out and just have a crazy fourth, uh, uh, first quarter or have, like, a crazy third quarter, like one of those big quarters that really help start the team up. I feel like a Wiggins scoring, you know, burst would really put some energy into the Warriors' offense. Um because they're so used right now to like him just playing the defense that he can play, hit a three, occasionally get a big layup, occasionally get a putback, but that's about it. But if he comes out and he's hitting threes and you know mid-range jumpers and driving to the rim and all that type of stuff, I feel like that would be very refreshing for the Warriors, um, for their offense and stuff. But I still feel like he played pretty well. I feel like Steph played pretty well. I will say the turnovers obviously didn't really, and that air ball from three was just crazy. Like, it's so crazy. Steph probably hits that three. They might win the game. They might win the game. I forget what the score was. I think the Warriors was up by like two points at that point. Like, like two points. And they, you know, uh, Steph had like this transition three. It was a great look for Steph. Basically wide open, and he completely airballed it. Um, so that was you know bad. But I still feel like Steph played a pretty good game in terms of getting to his spots on the floor. I like the fact that Steph is using his mid-range more, you know, because he is the greatest shooter in the history of the game. So, like, that mid-range jumper, it was some tough mid-range jumpers that he was hitting. He could always use that, like, use that. You know, Playoffs, the mid-range is very important. Where you're just trying to stay in the game, where your team hasn't scored in, in, a, in a few possessions, you're on the road, hitting a mid-range shot can definitely kill the crowd, you know, calm things down, like, Mid-range jumpers are still important in the NBA. I don't know how many times I have to say it, but it's still clearly important in the NBA. That's why you see so many guys 
shooting, shooting mid-range jumpers where you don't really see them shoot this many mid-range jumpers in a regular season. They understand that just getting the bucket, any kind of bucket you can get is very important in the playoffs. But Steph played well. Um, I feel like he's going to really, really play well game three, game four. Um, but he might not even have to play all that great for them to win in game three and game four. Um, so, yeah, game was just crazy. That fourth quarter... One thing I wanted to talk uh, talk about, though, was the Warriors' defensive game plan. Like, if I'm the Warriors, I'm still very good, you know, because you're still home court. You have game three and game four at home, and you're thinking, let's just protect home court. Let's just protect home court. Come back to Memphis game five, up 3-1. That's your mindset, right? So, and on top of that, though, if John Moran has to go for 45 for them to win the game, and mind you, like I said, the Warriors was in this game to the very end. Like, to the very end on the road, John Moran probably played his best game ever so far, and they still almost won. If I'm the Warriors, I'm cool with that defensive game plan. Obviously, you don't ever want to give up 45 points, but if it's kind of like the Dallas Mavericks thing. If Luka's just going off and no, nobody else is in rhythm, really, I can live with that. Now, with the Grizzlies, a guy like a Dylan Brooks probably going to come back. He can help, you know, score a little bit. There was some other guys helping on the offensive side of the ball. I think uh, uh, Williams hit a couple of big threes for the Grizzlies. But, like, you know, if John Moran has to go for 45 and hit every single contested layup, every single three where he isn't a good three-point shooter, hitting all his free throws where he isn't the greatest free throw shooter, I'll live with that if I'm the Warriors. Like, that's something that I'll deal with and I'll be cool with. Like, okay, go ahead, try to drop 50. But how many times is Josh going to drop 50? We know he's a superstar, but it's not it's not easy to drop 45 in the, in the playoffs no matter what. So how many times are you going to even drop 45? And even if you do, that's not good for a team. People like basketball fans, I, I love the fact that some basketball fans love the idea of carrying a team. When really, anytime you have to carry a team, you're likely going to lose. You're likely losing. You're, you're likely not winning a championship. I, what guy carried a team? Like, aside of maybe like D-Wade in 06 or whatever, like, who really carried a team and then won the championship? You need a great team. You need a you need role players. You need a co-star. You need a, a, a coach. You need the, you know, sometimes injury luck. Like, you need things to win championships. Like, I just find it funny how people just love the idea of carrying teams when you ask a LeBron, you ask a Russell Westbrook, a James Harden, Bradley Beal when he was, you know, before, uh, you know, like carrying a team at times isn't fun. You know, a few games or whatever, okay, cool. But for a season, it's not really all that fun because you're losing games that you feel like you should win but you're not on that good of a team. Or, you know, clearly I'm not saying that about the Memphis Grizzlies. They're a, a really good team. But what I'm saying is if he has to drop 45, then the Warriors can think, huh, John Morant had 45 and we still was in this game. Why was we still in this game? Because Desmond Bain didn't really play all that well. Jaron Jackson damn sure didn't play all that well. Milton didn't really get off like that. You know, Williams hit the shots, but he's not going to go for 20 or 25, 30, whatever. Like, if I'm the Warriors, I'm like, okay, Jot dropped almost 50, and they barely won at home. While Klay Thompson was really bad, while we turned the ball over from 
the very start of the game, the Warriors was just turning the ball over, over and over and over again. And it never really stopped. So the Warriors could think, let's just play better, smarter basketball, and let's hope that Clay is halfway better than what he was in game two. And we should be winning these games. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like the Warriors probably will be happy with the defensive. On top of the fact that, like I said 20 minutes ago, Ja was just amazing. Like, he was, give him his credit. They play good defense, but he was just better offense. Like, so it is what it is. You know, it's the NBA. That can happen any night, you know, with a superstar like Ja Moran. Like, really give him his credit. I love to see what he's doing out there. But if I'm the Warriors, I still feel cool. Like, they barely won, and he was playing the best basketball of his life. Like, what's number one, is he really going to play like that multiple times again? Most likely not. On top of that, even if he do, we still was very much in the game, like could have won the game. So that's just the way that the Warriors think. If I'm the Grizzlies, I'm encouraged, though, too, because there's no reason to not believe you can, like, I'm not, I'm not on that side of some people that feel like, there's no way the Grizzlies, no way the Grizzlies can win this series or whatever. I'm not on that side. I'm not on that side at all. So you know, Game Three, gotta wait till Saturday. Couple off days, but you know, it's you know, it is what it is. I'm definitely you know excited. This is the most exciting series of the second round. I think the conference final is going to be really good in the East because I think, you know, it's going to be either, I mean, obviously either the Bucks or the Celtics, and then you want to have most likely Miami. So whether it's Miami and the Celtics or Miami and, and uh, the Bucks, those are two amazing series, you know, in the conference finals right there. So I just think the conference finals are going to be great. Um, moving on to something else. Oh, and I'm pretty sure I did have the Warriors in six in this series. I, I made my prediction, like, uh, you know, right before the first round of the playoffs, of course. So I think it was like Warriors in six, I think. I think it was like Warriors and six, maybe. I expected this to be a long series. I just know that the Grizzlies play the Warriors really well. In particular, John Moran plays the Warriors really well. He somehow shoots the ball really good. Somehow just makes every tough floater layup that he could possibly make in his life against the Warriors. I I don't know. Seem like John really do get up for, you know, battling Steph Curry. I think it's great, you know. I, you know, Steph Steph has had that reputation of being the best point guard, and as a young point guard, it's like okay, I get to go up, you know, go up against this guy right now. So it's the future of the NBA, you know, facing you know the legends of the game that are still great. Like Steph is still great, you know, he's a legend, but he's still um, you know great. So you know, it's just fun to see. Um, I think I have Warriors in six though. I'm pretty sure. But to the next series in the Western Conference, we have Dallas versus Phoenix. Phoenix is up 1-0. We have a game two coming up today on Wednesday. I will say, man, like, I just don't see how people just really had Dallas winning this series, like, to be honest. Now, granted, I did say last podcast that, you know, dogfight, but dogfight in the sense of, like, each game should be somewhat close. Now, game one, I was wrong. You know, Phoenix had that game in control the entire time. But I meant dogfight as in back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, I just don't see how Phoenix can really lose this series. I, I would, This is a series where I would be shocked. Like, outside of Miami and Philly, which I wouldn't be that shocked by that, you know, if Philly could, you know, somehow win that series. But this is the series where I would be really, really, really surprised. I just 
don't believe Dallas have the guys to defend Phoenix. They don't have the guys. They don't have the, you know. And that's one of the things with uh, Luka. Luka is amazing. He's great. He's great. Luka is a top six, top seven player in the NBA at worst. But he leaves a lot to be desired on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that hurts uh, Dallas. You know, when your best player doesn't ever play defense, what are you really going to do? And Dallas did have that run, though, in the regular season, playing really good defense. So hopefully we can see some of that because I want this to be a good series. But, you know, Phoenix, give them their credit. They're they're a well, well-oiled well machine right now. Like, you have Devin Booker going off, have Chris Paul playing his role, hitting, hitting every single mid-range shot. Chris Paul really might be the greatest mid-range shooter I've probably ever seen in my life. Like, there are a lot of great mid-range shooters, Jordan, Kobe, Katie, you know, but Chris Paul might be the greatest mid-range shooter. Like, he doesn't miss. Remember Sean Livingston for the Warriors? He never missed either for the mid-range. But, yeah, Chris Paul does not miss from the mid-range, bro. Like, it's incredible. He does not miss from the mid-range. It's really, yeah, but anyways, um, yeah, I fully expect Dallas to lose this series. I'll probably say they win one of those games at home, but I got Phoenix in five. I think my original prediction I had, because in the first round, I thought Luka was going to miss, like, most of the first round. I had Utah beating, you know, Dallas. But now, obviously, we have Dallas and Phoenix in the second round. I have Phoenix winning this in five, though, in five. And that's no disrespect to Luka, but he has some room to grow in terms of really getting guys going, in terms of scoring in the rhythm of the game, like, Brown was very ball dominant, but he somehow find a way to get guys in their rhythm, you know, to get them hot and stuff. And Luca does that in the regular season, but in the playoffs, it really, really shows how he's so ball dominant. The guys are just standing around, and hopefully, when they get that open three, they can just make it. You know what I mean? But like, are they really in the flow of the office, or or is Finney Smith and Kleber and these guys just watching him dribble the ball over and over and try to score? You know, but he's a great scorer and a great player, so it is what it is. And he's still very young. You know, he's, what, 23, I believe, 22, 23. Like, he has room to grow, obviously. Um, But I think he definitely has to, you know, you know, grow on defense. And like I said, just find ways to just make guys – that's one thing. Make guys better than what they usually is in the playoffs against really good teams. He does it in the regular season, I feel like, which is why they win so many games. Outside of him, just it's just – just going off, being unstoppable. Like, in a regular season, you can just be unstoppable and win some games. In the playoffs, it's really about making guys better in a seven-game series, you know. Um, so, I, so you know, whatever. I got Phoenix and five, honestly. Phoenix and five. Um, in the Eastern Conference, we just got game two of uh, Bucks and Celtics, man. I... I'm going to be honest, I kind of did not see that game going that way. I wasn't surprised that uh, Boston won game two. Um, but my original prediction was uh, Bucks going to the finals off the Eastern Conference. And I'm, you know, sticking to my predictions throughout this entire, you know, because all of my first round picks moved on to the second round outside of Utah. But, all you know, all of my first round picks moved on to the second round. I'm not changing from, you know, uh, Bucks. But, you know, this was kind of a reminder of what Giannis struggled with a couple of seasons ago in the playoffs where he was catching the ball further away from the rim, wasn't really having those lanes to just drive to the rim and do what he do, you know, dunking on everybody and stuff. I think Boston did a 
as good as a job as you can against Giannis, you know, like how much better can they could they really do against him, you know? He had the big third quarter, but that just comes with him being the best player in the NBA right now. So I think Boston played really, really, really good defense. I think a big part of this series is how much how good will Drew Holiday be on offense? I think that's a huge part of this series. I'm not about to be looking at Grayson Allen, bro, to drop 30 or whatever. Hopefully he could be a little bit better than what he was, but I'm not about to rely. Drew Holiday, you have to somehow give, you know, a a couple of really good scoring nights, a couple of really good scoring nights. I think that's a huge part of this game. Like, whoever defensively is going to be matched up against Drew Holiday, let's see what they do against them, like, that's a big part of this series, in my opinion. When Drew Holiday gets it going, I think that Milwaukee team really, like, gets, like, the the energy and stuff just really get there. And I think, like, a Connaughton and, like, a Bobby Portis, these guys have to really play big for them. Like, a Brooke Lopez, if he can have, like, a big game, like a like a 20-point game out of nowhere type of deal, like, I think that would be big for Milwaukee. Um, because I don't think they could just win this series with just Giannis dropping 40 every game. Like, I respect Boston in that way. I just don't think Giannis, only him, can win four four out of the seven games. I just don't. I think you're going to need a couple of really, mind you, when I say nice games from Drew Holiday, not 30-point game, not 28 points, hitting five, six, three-pointers. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just be a efficient scoring option throughout the entire game. That's what I'm saying from Drew Holiday. I'm saying for Brooke, you know, uh, Drop 20, like I said, that's what I'm talking about. Or maybe, you know, uh, Portis get hot, you know, from from three and cause havoc on the boards and, you know, rebound the ball and pullbacks and stuff. You know, just really just cause havoc, you know, but I don't know. Um, I did originally, I believe, have uh, the Bucks in this series. I think in like seven or like six. Um Pretty sure I had the Bucks and six. Um, I'm gonna just stick to that prediction though. I do believe Drew Holiday will have a couple of nice scoring nights. I do believe Brook Lopez will have a couple of nice games. I do believe Bobby Portis will have like one really good, really really good game, maybe in Milwaukee. Um, and I just see Giannis being like, mind you, Giannis will be incredible the entire series. He will be largely unstoppable the entire series. You know. That's part of the reason why I have Milwaukee coming out of the Eastern Conference before the playoffs started. I understand that that's what Giannis is going to do, but you need other guys to just step up more. Um, and I think they know that as a championship squad. Um, give Boston their credit, though. Before we move on, Boston defense show, I think Jalen Brown, a bad hamstring, I believe, and he or like a bad ankle. I forget, but, man, for him to still I mean, drop Grayson Allen like that and just his game is just so smooth and everything. Like that was very like very surprising. I would say not that Jalen Brown played really good. He's a really good basketball player, but the fact that it was that good, like that, like like is you hurt? Like is you actually hurt for real? Like what in the world? That was it was a great game from uh Brown. His game is so smooth too. Like. Tatum and Brown have two smooth games, in my opinion. Like, I love watching those guys cook when they have it going, when they're hot. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how much more credit I could give. Williams, man. Grant Williams. I don't know if he 
already signed a contract with the Celtics, but if he didn't, this is a good time for him because he's going to get paid good money from the Celtics. They're going to want to keep him. He hits big shots. He plays, I think, good defense. I think he gives them exactly what they need. Uh, you know, he occasionally tries to create his own shot, but usually hitting that three or whatever. Like, he plays really good minutes for him. Like, he consistently, though, like this entire playoffs, he's given them consistent good minutes. I don't know if I really would have expected that for Grant Williams. I know he's a part of the reason why they've been so good this season, you know, finishing the two scene in the East. But for him to be this consistent, it's it's a welcome surprise for him. I, you know, that's a draft pick they got right, you know. Um, so, yeah, moving on to the Sixers heat, I'm going to be real quick. I've talked on James Harden falling off. It's sad. Just, you know, just he's falling off. Like any, any athlete, any retired current athlete, I don't care what sport, basketball, football, baseball, whatever sport, hockey, tennis, golf, softball, volleyball, whatever sport you want to name in this world, you tell them they don't have it or they don't have it no more, it usually motivates them. The fact that we can say this about James Harden and he still doesn't shoot the ball much, the fact that we still say this about James Harden, and he, trust me, James Harden hears people on TV. He sees people on Twitter talking that he's washed up, that he doesn't have it no more. He's not a superstar. If he could respond and drop 40 points, he would have been dropped 40 points. He can't drop 40 points, though. And that's how you know he's washed up right now. I'm not happy to say this. I'm not the biggest Harden fan, but I'm a fan of basketball. So for James Harden to be one of the best scorers I've ever seen, for him to fall off this quick, it is sad, but he has played a full career so far. Like, he's, like, in his 13th, 14th season. Like, he's not year 8, year 9. He's year 13. You know, for Steph to still be a top 10 player in the NBA, for LeBron to still be a top 10 player, for Chris Paul to be elite still, it's not that normal. You know, so as a guard, he put a lot of miles on his body in Houston. It is what it is. Um, and part of the reason he doesn't shoot the ball as much is because he doesn't get the separation that he used to get. If I can't get the separation I used to get, do you really want me to shoot the shoot the ball 30 times? Like, as a Philly fan, do you really want Harden to shoot the ball 30 times? Because if he shot the ball 30 times, it's going to be 10 of 30. Do you really want him to shoot 10 for 30, or, or you want him to shoot 5 of 15 or 6 of, you know, 16? Now, both is still inefficient, but he's taking less shots, which means another guy could possibly get that shot, you know, that's the logic that he's thinking right now. Um, but there's arguments to both sides of it. You can still want him to be more aggressive. I still think he should be a, a little bit more aggressive. Like, five shots in the second half is egregious, like, terrible. But, yeah, anyways, he's washed up. Um, I do think Embiid will be back for game three. I think he'll be really good still. Um, I do think... Philly could get a couple of games still this series. I'm, that might be the unpopular thing. I'm not saying they will, but I think they can. I think they can still get two games out of this series. Not that they will, though. Um, Miami is an interesting squad. I'm really interested. Like, I, I don't know if I should be confident in them against Milwaukee or confident against them against Boston because, like, Okay, I could feel confident, but when I do, it's like, oh, I don't know. They really might lose to the Celtics. They, they might lose to the Bucks. I could see Giannis beating them more than Boston, to be honest. I don't know. But Miami, give them their credit. Great defense, got depth. 
Bam is so underrated in my opinion. He does a lot of the, pretty much everything you want a guy his size to do. And yeah, series is pretty much, you know, game one domination. I expect them to dominate game two, probably more than they did game one. Um, and yeah. Uh, before I leave, I have to touch on Kendrick Lamar. You know, I'm a rap fan. I'm a huge, you know, rap fan. I'm a Kendrick fan as well. Um, not as big as a Kendrick fan as some other people are. Like, some other people are just super, super, super crazy with it. But I'm a Kendrick fan for sure, 1,000%. He has the big step, uh, um, Mr. Morale and the big steppers. And I have to touch on, you know, the fact that right now, Wednesday, I think this May 3rd, May 4th, he put out another picture where he's holding two discs, and he do have a book in his hand. Now, I was mainly just focused on the fact that it could be a double-disc album, but the fact that the book was in his hand, I saw somebody on Twitter say he could be adding a book to the album. I'm not, I'm going to be honest, I'm not that, you know, excited for that part of it. I'm just really excited for the music part. Um, I'm, you know, I don't really know how much I could really say about it. I mean, Kendrick is already a legend. He's already regarded as one of the best ever. So this album doesn't really, you know, change or, like, stop him from being considered a legend. I just think, you know, it is still pressure, I guess, obviously. But these days, is it really any pressure? Like, let's say Kendrick drops an album and he had, it gets bad, you know, uh, reviews. Sure, it will be a lot of disappointment. It will be a lot of people talking about it. But would it really hurt his pockets? Like, Kendrick could still go on tour no matter what. And we're all going to, you know, not me included, but... We're all going to, you know, sign tickets and uh, uh, not sign tickets, pay for our tickets. Sorry. to you know, watch him perform. He's still going to, no matter what, win some awards because, you know, the Grammys and everybody loves to suck him off at the award shows. You know, I'm not mad at it, though. I'm a Kendrick fan, you know, but basically it's pressure. But it's like, is the pressure even uh, real? Like, no matter what, he's going to make a lot of money off the album, off a touring album, off of, you know, uh, if there's merchandise, merchandise. Like, Kendrick is just at that point to where he's so highly regarded, so highly... I've seen so many lesser popular artists, lesser, you know, respected artists, for lack of a better way of saying it. They put out albums that doesn't get good reviews, and they're still able to make a lot of money off of their albums. So just imagine Kendrick. People have been starving for this man's music. He, There's no real actual pressure here, in my opinion. There's not. Um, at the end of the day. So I can't even like be like this corny guy and really try to make it out to be more than what it is. You know, just going to get good music from Kendrick. Like, and you know, I'm excited to hear good music from him. Um, in terms of features, I do think, you know, we will get features. I saw this tweet weeks ago, like when he first announced the album, somebody was like, you must not know Kendrick albums because we don't want to hear Kendrick in, uh, a Kendrick and Tyler the Creator song, a Kendrick and a J. Cole song, a Kendrick and a J. So like, and I just find that funny. I disagree with it because it's just like, if a Kendrick album, like, obviously he do like concept albums and stuff. And he do kind of relatively work with the same kind of people, but we don't know the sound of this album. So I could very well hear a Kendrick and a Cole song sounding amazing. Why would that be surprising? Why would that be something you'll be against? You know, like, why are you trying to box him in? Like, Jid is a great rapper. Cole is a great rapper. Tyler, the creator, is a great rapper. Why are you trying to ban him from working with great rappers based off his old work? That's that's backwards to me. 
that's backwards to me. I don't want to hear Kendrick rapping with the same exact guys from years ago. Like, if it's good, it's good, obviously. But I'm just saying, like, I would love to hear a Kendrick and Nicole song because I believe it would be amazing. No matter who raps better than who, I don't give a fuck about that that much. You know, because Cole fans are going to say Cole, Kendrick fans are going to say Kendrick or whatever. You know how it goes. But I just want to hear great music, and I think those two will make great music. But anyways, I don't know what kind of features we're going to get. I'm sure we're going to get a couple TDE features, though. I could see somebody like a Isaiah Rashad, like a schoolboy as well. Um... We might get like a whole black hip nah. That's I, nah, never mind. I was gonna be hopeful and say we get a whole black hippie song, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. So yeah, you know, like a scissor, Isaiah, schoolboy type of thing, or like a Yeah. That's kinda what I would expect, but at least a couple of TDE features for sure. Um and, and the idea of it being a double disc is very interesting. Like, but just just because it's a double disc doesn't mean that it's gonna be 15 songs on each, you know, a uh, disc. It could be, who knows? You know, Kendrick is different. It could be, you know, seven songs on disc one and seven songs on disc two. Like, we really don't know. Like, people are just assuming it's going to be a 30-track album based off old double-disc albums. Um, we don't know. Like, this day and age, you can drop an album and it has seven songs on it. You know, we've seen that multiple times. So, you know... It's a cool idea to me. Like, we haven't got an album since 2017 from Kendrick, like a solo album. So, to get this much music, possibly, like a lot of music, possibly, I welcome it. You know, is it tough to pull off a double disc? Of course. But if Kendrick is who we all think that he is, I believe that he could, you know, pull it off. Um, so, I'm cool with the double disc idea of it. Um, I'm not that much of a numbers guy, but the person that said kids are going to do a million first week, that's crazy. No way he's doing a fucking million first week. I will say I would predict for him to do like close to 500K first week, which is great numbers. You know, outside of Drake and maybe like a Kanye, who else is doing five, like no other rappers doing that? Pretty much no artist really that much is doing like outside of like Drake, Adele, Taylor Swift, maybe uh, I forget her first week numbers, but like Taylor Swift, I assume there's only like a few artists that's doing 500k first week, just period in music. Forget just rap, just in music. So you know, you know, you know, just fans have to just gas it up to be a million or whatever. Like I don't know, I don't know, but I'm excited for the album. I'm, I'm definitely excited. We like what ten days away, like I believe. So. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. I do think we're going to get a single from the album. I think we're going to get a single and a video. Maybe, or maybe like a single and a video, right? Like the night the album drops type of deal. You know what I mean? I, I can see that too. Like a video when the album drops. But I believe before the album drops, we'll get like a video for one of the records on the album. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the album, man. I'm excited to see the rollout as well, you know? I think as we get closer, we're going to get, obviously, like, the album cover. We're going to get maybe, like, a video, you know, or, like, a video of some, like, creation of the album or some video of what Kendrick has been going through, like, some type of rollout mixed with, you know, like, Cole with the off season gave us a documentary, you know, and then older, you know, Cole albums, he, he'll give you, like, the HBO special, um, 
I don't know. I would love to just see the rollout as well. So it'll be happening sooner before we know it. Um, yeah. Um, talk some Grizzlies, Warriors. That game two was amazing. I can't wait for game three, game four. I'll probably be dropping a podcast right after that as well. Like I have to just back to back to back. We're not stopping here. We're, you know, we're we're not. I have a lot of time right now, so I'm you know very excited for it. And I'm definitely going to try to get into some other like. You know, just random topics that I just be thinking about. Just life topics. Could be women, relationship things. Could be whatever. I talk about everything. I just really love basketball. So, and it's basketball season. So, before we know it, the season will be over. And I'll be fake depressed that the season is over. So, I just wanted to touch on, you know, things that are going on in the NBA. Because I just love basketball, you know. But other things will be talked about. You know, just life stuff. You know, whatever that's going on in my life. Or my friends. Or, you know so many possibilities so thanks for listening um again talking to myself very well pod i think it's like episode eight um yeah um twitter new j n u j a y y y three y's on that um instagram jaylen here uh j a y l i n two more n's so three n's in the name jaylen uh dot here for more opinions and stuff and info on the pod you can just follow those socials um but yeah See you next time. We out. Yo, yo, yo. Back, back at it. Episode nine. Episode nine. Like right now, I can just remember all the numbers to like every episode right now. But eventually, it'll get hard, you know, to like remember these uh, numbers to like these episodes or whatever. But episode nine, I believe, of talking to myself very well. I definitely have some topics I definitely want to talk about. Probably be a little bit less basketball, but I definitely... I always find a way to talk some hoops and stuff. So, and the playoffs has, has been very entertaining. Pardon me if you're hearing a little bit of noise or whatever. It's people very loud outside. You know, it's back warm out. People loud with their cars and everything. So, you know how it be. But I first want to talk about real quick. The first thing I have to talk about, and it kind of coincides like the timeline of this past weekend or whatever, this Jack Harlow album. Jack Harlow, very popular rapper from Kentucky, dropped uh, his second album, I believe, Come Home, The Kids Miss You. Um, and to be honest, this is my first album of Jack Harlow that I've ever listened to. Um, so I was definitely going to listen to it. Like, his last album definitely had hype behind it, sold a little bit. But the only song that I've ever, like, heard was was popping. And that song, I'm going to be honest, wasn't good enough to make me, like, really want to listen to his whole album. But I had, like, no opinion of him. I just thought he was, like, this, you know, cool, you know, this cool, you know, white rapper, you know, seemed like he'll be cool to hang out with. And that was pretty much it. That's all I really had to talk about when talking about Jack Harlow. But this album has so much hype surrounding it. I'm like, you know what? I have to at least give it a listen and check it out. Have, you know, high, you know, I won't say high hopes, but just give it a chance, you know. So, first of all, listen to that album. I'll be not really doing like a track by track breakdown. I don't really feel like I have to do that for this album. Not because my opinion of the album, like because I don't like the album. It's more so just because I just don't really think, you know, I don't know. It's just other things I want to make sure that I get to right now. So I'll, I'll just say this. I think Jack Harlow is not a bad rapper. Let me first say that. He's not a bad rapper. But what I will say is he definitely has a lot of room to grow. But on top of having a lot of room to grow, I came to this thought of like, first of all, clearly from interviews and everything, Jack Harlow wants to be a superstar rapper. 
He wants to be this huge A-list rapper, you know, this this superstar, basically. And I definitely understand that. Like, I could definitely see why you would want to be that level of a rapper, obviously, for, you know, obvious reasons. But what comes with that is clearly he's showing it within his music. His music doesn't really have no... Somehow, he's not, like, straight up biting, you know, somebody. I hear a lot of people say he sounds like Drake a lot, and that makes sense, but... I don't get the feel that he's just straight up biting anybody in the industry, but I do as well get the feeling of like, man, like this is just so like over like commercial, like there's no risk taken at all with any of the production on the album. Now, that's not a bad thing, you know, but, you know, because the beats aren't bad on the album, in my opinion, but there's just no risk taken with, with the beats. They're all mid-tempo, no real changes to the beats, you know. If you're a fan of, like, beat switches, there ain't many beat switches on, on that album. Even though I'm not the kind of person that just think a beat switch just makes the whole album or whatever. But anyways, there's no real beat switches or nothing like that. Just the, the production, while not bad, again, is no real, you know, so that's one problem. Second problem is just Jack Harlow's songwriting. He uses the same, like, clearly... To my point of him really wanting to be popular, he has these very short verses. Because that's the thing now. You don't want to rap too long on a song. So he has these short verses, and he's trying to be really catchy with these hooks. You know, and it's just like, I don't know. It's just so bland to me. Like, if I had to describe the Jack Harlow album as, like, food, the analogy I would say is this Jack Harlow is a piece of bread. Just a plain piece of bread. Ain't no mayo on top of it ain't no peanut butter no jelly just a plain slice of bread that's what i would describe the jack harlow album as i really don't have like nothing to really pull from from it like i don't think i learned anything new about jack harlow like he talks about his struggles of fame and having to deal with the pressure of being famous and stuff but that's not something that i learned like new about jack harlow like that's something that i could have already assumed or you know what i mean like that's not you're not teaching me anything about you. Not saying I have to learn this deep secret about Jack Harlow, but he just don't he don't dig in, he doesn't dig into these topics deep enough at all, which again appeals to like that more mainstream commercial type audience so where you don't really have to dig you know really deep into any topics. You don't have to really tell a story. You don't really have to try to you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. I would say there are a few good songs on the album. I won't say the entire album was bad. Like, I thought the Drake song was good, not just because of Drake, which obviously Drake was the star of that song, but I think Jack Harlow sounded good on that record. I thought he rapped better on that song. I thought his flow, while it was still very the same as it was throughout the entire album, I would say his flow was uh, sounded good over that beat. I would say another song that was good on the album was the song where... Uh, Timberlake, actually. The Justin Timberlake song was actually good, in my opinion. I thought Justin Timberlake sounded good. That was as good as I've... Granted, I don't listen to Justin Timberlake often. But that was about as good as I've heard Justin Timberlake in a while. I thought the beat was good. I thought, you know, again, Jack Harlow's going to give a very short verse where he's not really rapping. You know, like, it's very, very low-level rhyming on this album. That's why I am low-key interested to check out Jack Harlow's earlier work. Because I would love to figure out... Has he rapped better than this? Like, I have to talk to some Jack Harlow supporter, fan, or whatever. Like, has he rapped better than this? Has he rapped different than this in the past? I would love to figure that out. Hold on. Sorry. I would love to figure that out, though. Like, I, I would love to figure out, has Jack Harlow rapped 
um, better in the past? Like, has he rapped differently or whatever? But anyways, I thought that song was pretty good. Uh, the Poison song with Lil Wayne was cool. I thought the last song on the album, that might have been my favorite. Outside of the Drake song, but that might have been my favorite song on the album. Like, Jack Harlow, it's a standalone track. It's the, you know, I don't want to call it the outro, but the last song on the album. And I thought he rapped with more passion. He's, you know, again, talking about struggling with dealing with fame and his family and that struggle of wanting to be famous. and dealing, But it came off genuine, though. Like, obviously, rappers have rapped about struggling with fame and not liking it. That's nothing new at all. But I thought it was still entertaining on the song because he was still genuine enough to, like, brag about being famous as well. Like, I'm not about to just talk about the struggles of being famous. I'm going to also shit on you in the process and talk about this money and talk about how y'all hate on me because the woman loved me and stuff, which I have an opinion on that, by the way. But, yeah, this Jack Harlow album, what I would say about it is it's clearly not for me. Far away from being an album for me, Again, I'll probably try to check out his older, you know, projects to see if there's anything different about it because he's clearly like like I said, really trying to be mainstream, really trying to be popular, appealing, accessible, all of those things above. But I get the feeling he will make this type of music regardless. It's similar to like Drake in, in that way of like Drake makes the he's making these albums over and over again clearly because it works for him, but on top of it, this is just the kind of music that he prefers to make, I feel like. I don't feel like Drake will ever give us this full rap album where he's just rapping over these hard rap beats. No, he's not going to do that because he really loves to make R&B music. He he loves to make music for women, like Drake has said this numerous times. So Jack Harlow, I will say, the benefit of the doubt is I think he will make this type of music regardless even though he clearly strongly wants to be very famous, strongly wants to be mainstream, strongly wants a long career in the mainstream. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if Jack Harlow wants to win 10 Grammys. He wants to win 15 Grammys in his career. Like, I know every artist would probably like that, but he clearly really, really wants that for himself. And, you know, he's very popular. He has a hit song right now. So salute to Jack Harlow for doing what he sought out to do. Um... One thing I wanted to touch on is, like, if you have, like, a girlfriend that's in high school, have a girlfriend that's in college, black or white, give her this Jack Harlow album. She legit might like this album. It makes sense why he has a strong woman fan base. Obviously, they think that he's attractive. But on top of that, this is the type of rap music that, yeah, I can see them. It's it's a very light album where, again, he's not It's very safe beats, you know, just typical rap beats. He has a very monotone flow. He doesn't change his voice and nothing like there's no risk at all. Like, he raps the same voice, using the same flow, rapping over the same kind of beats throughout the entire of the, the entire album. You know, and that's very redundant and boring to me. But I could see that appealing to somebody else. I could, I could see somebody like an 18-year-old girl or like a 22-year-old woman in college loving this album. And, they, you know, they have all the rights to love the album. So... I would say play this album for him. And I think that's a good thing for Jack Harlow. He has at least a target fan base to just cater to. I think a lot of younger artists in the industry, they fail because they don't really know who to exactly appeal to. So you're making this kind of music, but people don't want this type of music no more. Jack Harlow has a clear audience of that he could just feed this kind of music to. You know what I mean? That's something that benefits like a Drake. Like Drake knows exactly what his fan base wants to hear him say. They want these kind of beats on every album. They want the intro to sound like this. They want the outro to sound like this. Like he knows exactly. Future wants, he knows exactly what his fan base wants. That's important. So, um, yeah, I don't like the album at all. 
I wouldn't even rate the album. I don't do that. I'm not a music reviewer, but I just don't like the album. You know, one thing I also quickly before I move on want to touch on is like I've been seeing people be like, well, y'all just hating on this Jack Harlow album because women love Jack Harlow. And I think that's crazy. I think that's crazy because men like Dirk music and women like Dirk has a strong woman fan base. But I don't see men hating on Lil Dirk because men think Lil Dirk make good music. So he he uh, he satisfies both genders like women and men. Jack Harlow, I just think men legit don't like that. I'm like, of course, with Twitter, you see it with Drake, see it with Kanye, with J. Cole, wait, multiple rappers. People like to slander albums and call it mid and call it trash and stuff. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Um, But this Jack Harlow album, I would say, I think people legit just don't like the album. <laughs> I just think people legit, because the same way he clearly has an audience that will love this album, I could see somebody that's a Kendrick stand not liking this Jack Harlow album. I could see somebody that's a Future stand that's not going to like this album. Like, if I'm on Jack Harlow's team, I would tell him, like, there's a lot of hate for you on the internet. And while it is legit, in my opinion, don't be mad at it because you're making the kind of music that, yeah, it's going to be a lot of rap fans that don't like this kind of music. Same way it's going to be a clearly a lot of rap fans that love this kind of music. Like, you just have to live with it or either change your music, you know what I mean? But as long as you're making this kind of rap music, this very commercial, generic, bland rap music, I know that might be a little too harsh to say, but that's the best way I, I can describe it. It's bland rap music. It's it's pop rap music. You know what I mean? You're going to have a certain group of people that every time you drop an album, they're going to hate on it. But you're also going to have a certain group of people that's going to love this album, that's going to buy your music, going to go to your show, going to buy a t-shirt, hoodie, whatever. So I just think people just legit don't like the album. I, I think the hate on Twitter is real. Like, People just listen to the album. They're like, yeah, this is very boring. You know, I think people understand that this just isn't the kind of album that's for them. Really, every type of album, you should have that kind of perspective on it. There's only a few albums that drop that get really popular that I just think is really trash. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Hold on, hold on. I'm texting somebody. Hold on. Sorry about that. Um... So the next thing I wanted to touch on was the Kendrick Lamar release. Just last night, we got the heart part, the heart part five from uh, Kendrick Lamar. As somebody that's been a big, you know, Kendrick fan for years, I know the whole uh, heart series and everything. So that's uh, and I was definitely like, you know what? I'm excited to, you know, uh, to like listen to this. Like I'm excited to listen to this and hear this. You know what I mean? So Kendrick put out the uh, video. I'm like, okay, this video definitely interesting. Like, definitely interesting. This might be actually, yeah, this is the first. No, it's not the first because we had a video for the first heart, the heart part one, which is low key like my second heart. If I had to rank my two favorites, it's the heart part two and the heart part one. The heart part three is probably my least favorite. I know a lot of people love that, but that's probably my least favorite heart. Um, but Kendrick, I'm like, okay, this video is dope. The production, that Marvin Gaye sample was done very well. That That's so Kendrick-like, you know what I mean? That's so Kendrick-like. So I'm like, okay, bet. Then Kendrick just starts flowing. Like, I mean, he's just, I mean, his flow, 
granted, it's a typical like Kendrick type flow, damn near. But I, I thought the flow was great. He was flowing over the beat amazingly, and you know, just the the lyrics and the bars in the song, like it was just amazing. It was just amazing. It's a great song. It is a great, great song. I, I don't know. While I say it's a great song, I don't know if I feel as strongly as like I think some other people do, but that is me with Kendrick. Like I love Kendrick, but I'm not as huge of a Kendrick. Like growing up, like in high school, I used to listen to Sapimpa Butterfly every day, sophomore year of high school. You know, like every day, like that album dropped. I remember March of 2015. I used to I used to listen to that album all first hour because I could listen to music in my first hour. All second hour because I could listen to music in my second hour. Like I love that album. I I played Kendrick a lot more when I was younger, um, but I still love Kendrick. You know, as an artist, I just rarely ever listen to him. You know, but so this song, while it's a great song, I doubt that I'll be listening to it again and again and again over and over. And I doubt that it even be on the album, but I think it was a dope song. I think it was a dope way to like roll out the album, the video, the guys that did the deep fakes. That was amazing. Like, just to see how technology is being used in such a great way. You know, like that video might be voted video of the year. You know, how award shows love Kendrick. Award shows love Kendrick. So, I could I, I won't be surprised if Kendrick gets video of the year for that video. You know. But yeah, the song was definitely dope. It was a dope, dope song. Um, I know a lot of people touching on the uh, deep fakes thing. Uh, uh, um, well, the deep fakes thing, but also the Nipsey verse at the end of the song. I thought that was dope. I think it was a dope, you know. Uh, I mean, he, he didn't really talk like if I knew Kendrick was going to rap from Nipsey perspective as, you know, as Nipsey in heaven talking to his fans and talking to his family. That's, you know, I'm in heaven and talking to Sam, his brother, telling him to, you know, show his interviews to his kids and telling the fans, the, you know, investments and stuff and how, you know, it was very dope. It was just very, very, very dope. I'm interested, like I said, the features on the album. I'm expecting, you know, J-Rock, like I said, probably SZA, maybe Isaiah Rashad, but I doubt Isaiah Rashad. I just don't know if... He will put them on the album. It would be dope, though, for sure. Don't get it twisted. I would love to hear another Kendrick Isaiah Rashad song. The one song they're on together was amazing. So um, I, I would love to hear that. But I'll probably say Schoolboy, J-Rock. Um, I do believe it, it's going to be a double disc, by the way. But I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know much more to say about it. It's just a dope song. I will say on Twitter, usually I just bypass like bad tweets and like bad takes and you know, takes that are not accurate and that are not real. But the person on Twitter that was like, oh, uh, it's been funny how J. Cole has been looked at as the, the, the uh, insightful rapper in mainstream hip hop when Kendrick makes more insightful music. You can feel like Kendrick makes more insightful music all you want. But I was just so irritated by that tweet because, yeah, like, like, Okay, the main reason why I was irritated by the tweet, and I want to make sure I'm using my words very, very clear, because where the fuck did you get that Cole has been looked at as more insightful than Kendrick? For the past almost 10 years, Kendrick has been looked at as the most critically acclaimed, the best writer, the the best like the best album maker, the most creative mainstream rapper and mainstream hip hop for almost 10 years now, ever since Kendrick dropped Good Kid, Mad City and Trust me, I've been 
I, I watch all the YouTube videos of, of people's opinions. I watch the reviews. I don't read internet reviews like that no more, but just Twitter discourse or like internet discourse, Kendrick has been easily the most praised, the most critically acclaimed rapper over the last almost 10 years. So the fact that you would slight Cole for something that's not even legit, like Cole legit gets hate for being not as deep as Kendrick for years. So how can you just now all of a sudden try to revise history into making Kendrick this victim of like he's been looked down upon compared to Cole when it's been nothing short of like the total opposite bro like that shit like completely irritated me like and it's not because I'm like like trying to just defend one over the other it's more so because I'm just a rap fan and I understand that that is so false but people can just like say stuff that is just not true you know and just get retweets and get likes then people in the comment section is like it's uh, colorism uh, for Cole being looked at as smarter than Kendrick, which, again, he hasn't been looked at as smarter than Kendrick. Kendrick has clearly been looked at as whether I agree with it or you agree with it or not. He's been viewed at as the most conscious, smartest mainstream rapper, the deepest. Main he has a Pulitzer Prize. He has way more Grammys than Cole. He performs at the Grammys. Cole has never performed at the Grammys. Now, we don't know the reasons why Cole hasn't performed at the Grammys, but I'm just saying, we know Kendrick has performed at the Grammys multiple times. He wins at the Grammys every single year. He has a Pulitzer Prize, performed at the Super Bowl. Like, he has, like, he's way more critically acclaimed. Like, Cole gets way more mixed reviews after every album from critics to fans or whatever. He gets criticized way more than, than Kendrick. So the fact that you were, like, somehow trying to make him to be be this like this victim of like oh my god Kendrick has been looked at as less smarter than J. Cole like what are you talking about and there was a lot of people on Twitter that was letting her know like that's not true but I think the reason why she tweeted that's because she also didn't know that J. Cole went to college so I'm I'm saying that because she might not know how rap conversation has been going for the past like she might just think Think in her mind that Cole has been looked at as smarter than Kendrick, but she don't know rap enough to know that rap fans consider Kendrick to be the deep one. You know, consider Kendrick to be the the you know, uh, you know, just a deep complex rapper in in mainstream hip hop. She might not know that, so that's why she tweeted as if it's the other way around. When you know, it is what it is. I just thought that that was. Not even funny, but just like I was just so annoyed by just saying that because there's so many tweets. You can just lie. I'm about to just start lying on Twitter just so I could go viral myself. I'm about to just start tweeting anything, you know. But yeah, um, uh, I, I think the next thing I, I want to talk about is the NBA playoffs. The NBA playoffs. Uh, hold on. Uh, NBA playoffs. So we just had yesterday a great uh, Boston Celtics. Well, no, no, no. It wasn't yesterday. That was a couple of days ago. Well, we could touch on that series right now. The Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks about to go down game four tonight. I'm definitely interested in seeing what happens. Uh, Milwaukee's up 2-1 right now. Jason Tatum was horrible. Man, he was horrible. I can't even really like, like obviously, obviously the Bucks definitely have talent on the defensive side of the ball they have guys that can get it done on that end but what I will also say is though it's like Tatum just has to get to his spots and just be more aggressive I would say post guys up more like a lot of the guys they put on him he's taller than and I think he could you know get his way to like getting some layups and drawing some fouls and get himself going um 
Jalen Brown has kind of been up and down all playoffs, so this isn't really what I'm, like, surprised by. I can see him dropping 30 again tonight. I actually anticipate for the Celtics to win tonight. Um, but, yeah, this series has been amazing. This is, like, a great back and forth. Where like, each game I expect to go to the very last couple of minutes. This is peak, this is peak playoff basketball right here. Like, Giannis is just incredible. I thought Drew Holiday hit some big shots. You can't expect Drew Holiday to be this efficient scorer, scoring 25-30. Like, he could give you 25, but is it going to be a pretty 25? Most likely not, especially against a very good Boston Celtics team. But, you know, he's getting it done right now. I had the uh, Bucks coming out the East before the playoffs started, so I'm going to just stick to the Bucks winning this series. But the Celtics could very well win this. They could very well win the next couple of games. Like, this is that kind of series. Um, I do respect for them to win tonight. I think a big thing for the Celtics tonight was to obviously J- Jason Tatum has to look like a superstar right now. You know what I mean? But outside of that, I think a big key to this series would be how well do they, again, shoot the three, you know, on top of shooting threes, could they somehow, like, Giannis is going to, no matter what, his stat line is going to be very well. But how exactly is those points, you know, getting done? Are they easy baskets? Are they, you know, in the rhythm of the offense? Or, you know, he could drop 35, for example. But when you watch the game, is that 35 happening? Like, is it scattered throughout the game? Is it just one dominant quarter? Is it like, you know, because... Maybe Giannis has a dominant second quarter, but if you can really make him struggle in the second half, I think that's important for, for the Celtics. Like, 35 is just what he's going to get. You have Nobody has really nothing to really stop Giannis from dropping 35, to be honest. So it's like he's going to get that, but what do you do to, like, scatter out those points? What do you do to, like, disrupt those points? Or, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how well do they shoot the three because Boston could go really cold shooting the three. That's one of the things that could hurt them against a team like the Warriors or, or like, the the Suns or something like that. Like, sometimes while they have an amazing defense, if the Warriors are hot, if the Suns are hot in the finals, can the Celtics fire back? Like, they really rely a lot on Jason Tatum, which he's become a great scorer and Jalen Brown is still a very good scorer, but, man, they can easily get, like, Tatum isn't a great three-point shooter. Jalen Brown, I wouldn't call him a great three-point shooter. Marcus Smart, I wouldn't call him a great three-point shooter. Like, how many marksmen do you really have from three? Um, so that's kind of like one, one of their pitfalls or whatever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. It's just a random throw out there. I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Smart somehow was, has like a big game, like he's he's kind of due for like a big, a big game or whatever, you know what I mean? He's he's kind of due for that. Um, I will say, so yeah, that game will be very interesting tonight. I want to also touch on that uh Philly Miami series. That's an interesting series right there too. That's an interesting series too. Uh, hold on. Hold on. That's a very uh, interesting series as well. I will say it's been interesting to just see how different, like, how different Philly is with, like, Embiid out there. I love to see it. I love to see how interesting they've been with uh, Embiid out there. Um, What I've been seeing from them is kind of what I've been expecting, right? I want to give Tobias his credit, man. Tobias low-key 
hasn't been getting fully his credit for what he's been doing. Like, not because like, by the way, I'm not saying he should get like top news, headline news credit, but he's been pretty solid for him, right? You know, and for a guy that's been, you know, struggling sometimes in the playoffs previous seasons, for him to be more solid this season, it, it, it is like finally, like finally you're out there doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, but I'll, you know, give him his credit, man. Give him his, you know, his credit. Um, I would say about this series, come on, let Ducker Robinson out there, man. As a Michigan, like, basketball fan, like, let Ducker Robinson out there. Let him go out there cook. Let him go out there and just, you know, I don't know, because he is, okay, I get it from both sides. Like, Spolstra doesn't want to put him out there, and I understand it, because, like, he is not good on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but, man, like, give him 15 minutes, maybe. Like, come on. Like, I, I don't know. Miami Heat fans, hit me up and let me know. How how exactly do you guys feel about that? Like, how exactly do you guys feel about that, to be honest? Like, do you feel like he should be sitting? Do you feel like it's unfair? Feel like it is fair? Because the national media feel like it's a problem. But... But like maybe, you know, it's it it is what it is to you. You know what I mean? Because definitely it'd be teams like that for me where like people would be like, why is he out there? But I'm like, well, there's a reason why he's not really out there. Like it's a reason why, you know, he's not out there. You know, so I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I'm getting a little distracted right here. Typically I don't, but I just had to just Check on my phone real quick. Phone blowing up and stuff. But, um, yeah. So, game five in Miami. That's game. To be honest, I think whoever wins game five is going to win the series. I don't see the series going seven. For whatever reason, I just don't see the series going seven. I feel like if Miami win game five, they will win game six in Philly. If Philly win game five, I think, oh, you know what? Something about Philly and just James Harden, I just don't trust. I was about to say, if Philly win game five, I think they'll win game six. I just don't trust them guys. I don't know. But it's an interesting series. It's been fun to watch. Seeing James Harden go off like that was, isn't it crazy to say, seeing James Harden go for 30 was kind of nostalgic? Is that the right way to just say it right now? Um, But hopefully he's out there playing well. Because I think that makes the series way more interesting. And I think Embiid deserved to get some help. Um, by the way, speaking of Embiid, before we move on to the Suns in Dallas, I've been, you know, Jokic has just been announced as the MVP of the NBA this season. Congrats to Jokic. Don't have really no real big opinion to say about it. But, you know, congrats to Jokic. <laughs> I mean, you know, in the history of the game, to see, you know, multiple um they see multiple, you know, back, you know, usually you got the Michael, the Magic, Larry Bird, Steph, LeBron, Tim Duncan, just to name a few back-to-back MVPs. For Jokic to be up there, I will say, people are being a little too unfair to Jokic because last year he definitely deserved it, in my opinion. And by the way, just because he wins two MVPs back-to-back doesn't mean he has to be a, a top 20 player in the history of the game. He could just really just those two seasons deserve those MVP awards, like, no matter how you feel about Steve Nash and those MVP awards, he Steve Nash, in my opinion, doesn't have to be on Kobe's level all time to to have to 
be deserving of his two MVP. Maybe just those two seasons for, for Steve Nash was just amazing seasons for Steve Nash where he won the award. I don't think you have to have the longevity career of of NBA legends to have to win two back-to-back MVPs. I, I just think that's just kind of foolish. And that's the that's the popular thing to say right now. Like, oh, man, Jokic isn't on Michael Jordan, LeBron uh, level, so he doesn't really deserve that back-to-back MVP. Like, are you serious right now? Like, I don't know. I, I just think it's just unfair. I think dude deserve both MVPs. That's just my, my take on it. If I have to give an MVP and there's a plane flying, hopefully you do not hear that plane flying. Um, but... Um, my pick was Giannis to win the award. I just thought Giannis, what he was doing, he was the best player throughout the season, in my opinion. Impacted the game the best on defense, in my opinion, out of, you know, Jokic and the beat. But I'm not mad at Jokic getting the award. I just had to defend Jokic a little bit on that. I'm not the biggest Jokic fan, but I'm a basketball fan, and I love to watch him play. So, you know, I just had to say that. I'm not a Jokic fan, by the way. I'm not. But I'm just a fair basketball washer. I'm a smart, fa- uh, fair basketball washer. Um, but the Suns and the Dallas Mavericks, man, this series, granted, I did say after game two, like, I just don't know how Dallas is going to respond. I was one of those people that was worried for Dallas. I'm like, man, the defense, it was mainly a defense thing. I I saw, you know, Finney Smith and Jalen Brunson playing better at home. I, I saw that coming. But, the defense and how well they've been, like, they've clearly made a adjustment. Salute to Jason Kidd. I think in his future, he could possibly win a Coach of the Year award. Um, by the way, salute to Monty Williams winning that Coach of the Year award. He deserved it. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but they clearly made a adjustment on the defensive side of the ball. I think what they've been doing in terms of, like, way better at closing out. I think they've been way better at trying to stay in front of guys. Like, the Suns have been clearly just easy, easily getting to the rim, doing whatever they want. Let me just drive to the rim, da-da-da-da-da. And just, like, they've been doing better at defending on the perimeter. I'm not about to say Lucas has just been locking guys up. He hasn't been. That's, that's false. But they've been better on the perimeter side of the ball uh, defensively, and they've been hot from three. I, 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 it might have been a blessing in disguise for Luka to not have it going the way he didn't have it going in game four. Because if Luka was hitting shots over and over again, while Luka can, he's a superstar, he can take over a game and win it. So they might have won regardless, you know, uh, last game, because the role players like Jalen Brunson, Finney Smith had it going, but on top of them, if Luka has it going, maybe they clearly win the game as well that way. But I say it might have been a blessing in disguise because if Luka has it going, maybe those passes, because he made extra passes, like an extra swing pass for a three. He might have not made that pass if he had it going. You know what I mean? He might have not made that pass if he was hitting every three and step back and then going off or whatever. But... Game five will be very – Dallas got a shot. I'm still going to stick to the Suns win this series. I, you know, that home court advantage, that Phoenix crowd is low-key, might be the best crowd right now in the NBA right now. So I just – Chris Paul, he, he got to get it together. He's showing his age right now. He's showing his age because five points, six fouls, and the fouls are legit fouls. This not me being like 
If you don't know me, I'm not a big Chris Paul fan like that. I respect that he's one of the greatest point guards ever. I'm just not that big of a fan of him and how he just does certain things to try to manipulate. Everybody flops pretty much, granted. But Chris Paul, I don't know. He's just a certain way he just tries to get over on, on you know, the officials and try to do just dirty stuff. Like plenty of history of him being a dirty physical player. But, and it's weird because it's not like it's out of, you know, uh, retaliation he just does it like he just does slick foul shit or whatever i don't know i don't know but chris paul has to be better he has to make him have some type of impact on the game whether he doesn't have to drop 25 30 but he has to have some impact on the game playmaker wise defensively has to make some impact on the game mainly just with his playmaker i think that's one of the things that was missing like, I saw that Devin Booker, nobody else was eating on the team. And if Chris Paul is going to be the playmaker that he says that he is, then he has to playmake for other guys and be that impactful point guard on the team. So that's what I would say about it. But outside of that, I would say the next series I want to talk about is the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. Game three was an interesting game. I think the Warriors just handled business. <clears throat> I think Wiggins going off the way – I want to say going off, but starting off the game as well as he started in that first quarter was very, very important for the Warriors. Very important for the Warriors. Um, because, like, people don't, don't understand, like, basketball is a four-quarter game. Like, they understand it, but they don't really understand it. I, maybe because you just don't really, you know, have experience playing basketball or whatever. But, like – Somebody going off like that in in the first quarter or like the second quarter, for example, and Wiggins didn't, didn't necessarily go off, but he had a very good first half. It could impact the game to where the Warriors are up by eight points at halftime, but if Wiggins doesn't score those points, excuse me, in the first uh, quarter, in the second quarter, maybe maybe that, that halftime score is different. And maybe Memphis feels better about themselves going into the third. Like, basketball really is is so back and forth. It's so much momentum-based, like, so much. So, like, certain guys, whether it's a role player hitting a few big threes or whatever, it can really impact the game. Like, the first half points affect how teams come out in the second half. Like, the Warriors clearly in the third quarter, I don't know what goes on in that in that locker room. I think whenever there's a documentary on the Warriors, I'm calling for them to talk about the third quarter. What do they talk about at, at, at halftime? I do know there's a story of, like, Steph looking at Twitter at halftime. So that's very funny and, like, interesting. <laughs> that's very funny and, like, interesting. You know what I mean? That's definitely uh, funny and, like, interesting how, you know, he, like, looks at Twitter. That's so real, you know what I mean, like, to be honest. But back to the series, I would say Wiggins definitely played well. His rebounding, the Warriors have been killing them on the boards. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they've been killing them on the boards, and that's been the most surprising part of this series. Ja going off is not surprising, right? Um, But... That's been, like, the most surprising part of this entire series, I would say. Like, I did not see that coming at all. That was, like, the Warriors, like, legit, obvious, you know, weakness. Like, the fact that they, the fact that they, you know, don't really got, like, Steph tries to help on rebounds. That's why Otto Porter Jr., as somebody that's been watching the Warriors a lot this this regular season, I've been saying Otto Porter has to help 
hit those threes. He had a couple of shots in the uh, uh, last game because I don't know what happened to his jumper. Like, Otto Porter could shoot threes. Now he hasn't been hitting nothing lately. But um, rebound the ball well. And on top of that, just, you know, be that energy. And he's been helping on the boards. Um, and Wiggins, man, his hustle and stuff, like, I, I think they're going to keep him. Granted, he, I was talking about them trading him, you know, because, like, he was really, like, after the All-Star break, struggling. But now, even though he's not putting up 20 or 25 or 30, he doesn't have to. When Steph drops 30, when when Klay Thompson is a efficient 20, when Jordan Poole is a efficient 25, 20, why would you need another 20? All you need is three guys to give you 20 points, you know, and you should be good because the Warriors can't play defense as well. So I think the most, you know, interesting part of the series as well is, you know, John Morant unfortunately getting injured. I thought that, you know, that sucked. You know, that that wasn't good. I will say, though, John tweeting out that broke the code stuff and everything, like, obviously it was, it was a shot at Steve Kerr, I believe, more so than a shot at Jordan Poole. And I understand it, like, because Steve Kerr was definitely kind of gassing it a little bit on you broke the code and you did this and that. You should have did this and you shouldn't have did this. You know what I mean? Like, he was definitely doing that. So I, I understand it. I thought it was, you know, cool or, like, you know, funny. Um, But come on, like, I don't think what Jordan Poole did was dirty. If that was dirty, do you have to call what, what Desmond Bain did was dirty? Desmond Bain, the ball is under Desmond Bain. He's still falling on Jordan Poole's leg. Like, this series has, has definitely been wild. It's been a, a wild series. <laughs> it's been a wild series. Once I saw Ja limping after the game, I knew he was going to miss game four. Now, I do believe he'll probably miss game five as well. He'll probably be back if there's a game six beater for game six. But then again, he might come back because it's like that Ben Simmons thing where if you're not going to come back now, why would you come back later? Like, if you're down 3-1, you have to come back for game five, right? So hopefully he is back, though, sooner than later. Um, but, yeah, Taylor Jenkins going out tweeting about he thinks Jordan Poole did. You know, he basically just gamesmanship and doing what Steve Kerr did. I'm not that mad at it. You know what I mean? It is what it is. He's just defending his his uh, his superstar and want to, you know, see some, in their eyes, fair treatment because Dylan Brooks – they feel, I'm sure they feel like Dylan Brooks, what he did was not right, but they don't feel like it was dirty, and they obviously wouldn't want him to be suspended for Game 3, but he was suspended for Game 3. So they want Jordan Poole to be suspended for Game 4. We know what they're doing. They're not slick. They ain't low. You, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. Oh, my God, it's so loud. Hold on. Sorry about that. But, yeah. Um. So, yeah, they ain't low. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Clay Thompson, uh, efficient 20. It's real funny. Like, we don't know what we're going to get. But while people have been saying Clay Thompson just isn't the old Clay Thompson, this kind of is the old Clay Thompson, though. Like, Clay Thompson has, has never just been lights out, super efficient throughout every game of the playoffs. I said last podcast, look at the finals. Clay Thompson NBA Finals history shows you right there. He's not this super consistent, like never, never messes up, never misses shots, doesn't ever be inefficient type of guy. Like he, he, he sometimes is streaky. That's Clay. He's a shooter like that. Like it is what it is. But I anticipate for the Warriors to whoop the Grizzlies again in Game Four. I expect them to whoop them again in Game Four. This one might be different though. I feel like this one the Warriors might be way more up in the first half, and then. 
the third quarter is, is going to get nasty for the Grizzlies. It's going to get nasty. This is why when people point out, oh, the Grizzlies record in the regular season without John Morant, like, don't make a big deal out of that. Obviously, that could hurt John in his MVP race, which I think that's kind of crap because we see, again, like, okay, they win a lot of games without them in the regular season, but teams focus differently in the postseason. The Warriors are actually more healthy now. Steph, Clay, and Draymond is actually playing together now. Like, it's just different. Like, just in the playoffs, you need that unstoppable superstar to beat a great team. They need that. So we'll see what happens. I expect Steph to go off. I expect Steph to probably go off at like 35. I'm not going to lie. You know, have a big score on night. Jordan Poole probably won't be as efficient as he was last game, game three. But I expect him to be very good this game as well. And, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what the Grizzlies can really do. I think just really, really hope that you can knock down your threes. Hope that Jaron Jackson has a really, really good game. Dylan Brooks, I think he'll be motivated, obviously. Hope, Hopefully they hope that he could be the Steph Curry stopper, which that's kind of bullshit when you go through the history. He's not really that much of a Steph Curry stopper. But anyways, I'm sure they hope that he's a Steph Curry stopper. And yeah, um, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. I just suspect the Warriors to whoop him up. And then game five, same thing. Like, this series probably should be done in five. I'm not going to lie. But I said that about the Phoenix Suns. They're going to handle the Dallas Mavericks, and that's not happening. So we'll see. Um, I'll... I'm noticed real quick. Maybe I should just see because, like, every time the Bucks win, the Warriors win right after. So if the Bucks win tonight, I think if you're a Warriors fan, be confident that you're gonna win. You know this game tonight. Be confident. Um, and real quick, it was this tweet about how how basketball now people don't watch the game for fun. They watch it to like slander these players, and it's so real. And I think it really comes from these sports shows. I think First Take and these ESPN talk shows every day, they've really made it to where we not even really watching it for fun. It's just because at the end of the day, you're going to lose. Steph is going to lose. LeBron is going to lose. KD, Harden, Luka, Trey, Devin Booker, they're all going to lose. They're all going to have bad games. It is what it is. That's what comes with playing at the highest level of basketball in the playoffs. You're going to lose, going to have bad games. But people don't want to watch the game for fun. They want these players to be perfect every game. If you're not perfect, just with Steph, Warriors lost game two, and we had to hear all types of Jordan Poole, the best player on the Warriors. Like, what? We had to hear all types of stuff. Uh, Steph Curry legacy and this and that. I understand there's a conversation of is Steph Curry top 10 all time? And a lot of people feel like he has to do more to be top 10 all time. I agree with that. But why are we having these conversations like, it's game three of the second round. Like, I can't, maybe if it was the finals and it's game six of the finals, okay, bet. Obviously, legacy talk is going to be there. But come on, like, are we serious? We know how people feel about Steph. He's one of the 20 greatest players in the history of the game to most people. Leave it at that. Like, every game, though, like, even with James Harden, I'm not that big of a James Harden fan, but, man, every game is legacy talk, legacy, legacy, le- like, Oh, my gosh. We know these guys' legacy. Let these guys finish the season and then maybe talk about their legacy and how different is it. You know, like, I don't know. It's just so annoying. So that tweet about how basketball isn't really looked at for fun. It's just to whoever loses, we're going to slander them. Like, why do every time somebody loses a series, do we have to slander them? Like, if the Grizzlies lose to the the Warriors, 
Why do we have to slander Jah? Why do we have to slander the Grizzlies? If the Suns lose, I get it would be very surprising, but why do we have to just slander? And I'm not a Chris Paul fan. Like I've said, I'm far from a Chris Paul fan. But why do we have to slander these guys? Like, I don't know. It's just a question to ask. I'm not asking for the basketball world to be super positive and hunky-dory. I think that would kind of be boring and just unrealistic of me to expect that. But come on, at a certain point, we have to get to a different like uh, point in basketball to where we just really watching the game for fun. Whoever wins, obviously we praise them. But whoever loses, we can critique them, talk about what they should have did better. But not joking and clowning them 24-7 every time somebody loses. Like, it's it's a guarantee. Whoever loses is going to get crazy outlandish jokes, going to get unnecessary talk segments, talk segments on first take. We're going to get unnecessary segments on Undisputed, on all these Fox Sports shows. Like, I don't know. It's just annoying. It's just annoying, bro. It's just annoying. But... That's about it. This might be my longest episode, to be honest. Um, I just had to talk on the Jack Harlow, how bad that album was. Talk about Kendrick, how good that single was, but how maybe it's a little overhyped. And I'm still excited for the album. How crazy that tweet was about how Cole has been looked at as more insightful than Kendrick when that's not true. Had to talk about the, you know, Miami, Philly, James Harden somehow looking like James Harden. By the way, Harden ain't going to be looking like that regularly. I saw a Bleacher Report, James Harden is back, and that was cute. I'm not going to really hate on it, you know what I mean? But he's not back. He's going to be back to being... First of all, he wasn't really all that... I don't want to be that guy because I'm not always talking about numbers and efficiency, but he wasn't really all that efficient anyways in that game that he came back or whatever. So whatever. But have to talk about that. Dallas, Phoenix, that series is going to be amazing. That kid should have got his ass kicked by Chris Paul. I don't know if for sure he did what they say that he did, touching his wife and his mother. But if he did, I would be cool if, like Charles Barkley said, come down to the court and get your ass with one-on-one. Like, but anyways, yeah, this has been another episode. Thank you for listening. I definitely uh, I definitely appreciate you, you guys for listening. The numbers are going up each episode, so I'm going to just continue to provide you with content. I'll probably be giving another episode in the next few days. Certainly when Kendra dropped this next album, this up this uh upcoming Friday, I'll be, you know, giving my thoughts and my reactions on the album. Excited. So yeah, Twitter, new J N U J A Y Y Y, three Y's on that. And yeah, for more opinions, you can just follow that. You know, interact with me. Ask me any questions about life, music, relationship, basketball, obviously, because I talk that a lot. Rap music, because I talk that a lot on my timeline. But, yeah, um, thanks for listening. And we out. Yo, yo, yo. Back, back at it. Episode 9. Episode 9. Like, right now, I can just remember all the numbers to, like, every episode right now. But eventually... It'll get hard, you know, to, like, remember these uh, numbers to, like, these episodes or whatever. But episode nine, I believe, of talking to myself very well. I definitely have some topics I definitely want to talk about. Probably be a little bit less basketball, but I definitely, I always find a way to talk some hoops and stuff. So, and the playoffs has, has been very entertaining. Pardon me if you're hearing a little bit of noise or whatever. It's people very loud outside. You know, it's back warm out. People loud with their cars and everything so you know how it'd be but i first want to talk about real quick the first thing i have to talk about 
and it kind of coincides like the timeline of this past weekend or whatever this jack harlow album jack harlow very popular rapper from kentucky shop uh his second album i believe come home the kids miss you um and to be honest this is my first album of jack harlow that i've ever listened to um so I was definitely going to listen to it. Like his last album definitely had hype behind it, sold a little bit. But the only song that I ever like heard was was popping, and that song I'm gonna be honest wasn't good enough to make me like really want to listen to his whole album. But I had like no opinion of him. I just thought he was like this, you know, cool, you know, this cool, you know, white rapper. You know, seemed like he'll be cool to hang out with. And that was pretty much it. That's all I really had to talk about when talking about Jack Harlow. But this album has so much hype surrounding it. I'm like, you know what? I have to at least give it a listen and check it out. Have, you know, high, you know, I won't say high hopes, but just give it a chance, you know? So first of all, listen to that album. I'll be not really doing like a track by track breakdown. I don't really feel like I have to do that for this album. Not because my opinion of the album, like because I don't like the album. It's more so just because I just don't really think, you know, I don't know. It's just other things I want to make sure that I get to right now. So I'll just say this. I think Jack Harlow is not a bad rapper. Let me first say that. He's not a bad rapper. But what I will say is he definitely has a lot of room to grow. But on top of having a lot of room to grow, I came to this thought of like, first of all, clearly from interviews and everything, Jack Harlow wants to be a superstar rapper. He wants to be this huge A-list rapper, you know, this, this superstar, basically. And I definitely understand that. Like, I could definitely see why you would want to be that level of a rapper, obviously, for, you know, obvious reasons. But what comes with that is clearly he's showing it within his music. His music doesn't really have no... Somehow, he's not, like, straight up biting, you know, somebody. I hear a lot of people say he sounds like Drake a lot, and that makes sense. But I don't get the feel that he's just straight up biting anybody in the industry. But I do as well get the feeling of, like, man, like... This is just so, like, over, like, commercial. Like, there's no risk taken at all with any of the production on the album. Now, that's not a bad thing, you know, but, you know, because the beats aren't bad on the album, in my opinion, but there's just no risk taken with with the beats. They're all mid-tempo, no real changes to the beats, you know. If you're a fan of, like, beat switches, there ain't many beat switches on, on that album. Even though I'm not the kind of person that just think a beat switch just makes the whole album or whatever. But anyways... There's no real beat switches or nothing like that. Just the, the production, while not bad, again, is no real, you know, so that's one problem. Second problem is just Jack Harlow's songwriting. He uses the same, like, clearly to my point of him really wanting to be popular, he has these very short verses, because that's the thing now. You don't want to rap too long on a song. So he has these short verses, and he's trying to be really catchy with these hooks, you know, and it's just like... I don't know. It's just so bland to me. Like, if I had to describe the Jack Harlow album as, like, food, the analogy I would say is this Jack Harlow is a piece of bread. Just a plain piece of bread. Ain't no mayo on top of it. Ain't no peanut butter, no jelly. Just a plain slice of bread. That's what I would describe the Jack Harlow album as. I really don't have, like, nothing to really pull from from it. Like, I don't think I learned anything new about Jack Harlow. Like, he talks about his struggles of fame and having to deal with the pressure of being famous and stuff. But that's not something that I learned, like, new about Jack Harlow. Like, that's something that I could have already assumed. Or, you know what I mean? Like, that's not... You're not teaching me anything about you. Not saying I have to learn this deep secret about Jack Harlow. But 
he just don't he don't dig in, he doesn't dig into these topics deep enough at all, which again appeals to like that more mainstream commercial type audience. So where you don't really have to dig, you know, really deep into any topics. You don't have to really tell a story. You don't really have to try to, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I would say there are a few good songs on the album. I won't say the entire album is bad. Like, I thought the Drake song was good, not just because of Drake, which obviously Drake was the star of that song, but I think Jack Harlow sounded good on that record. I thought he rapped better on that song. I thought his flow, while it was still very the same as it was throughout the entire album, I would say his flow was uh, sounded good over that beat. I would say another song that was good on the album was the song with... Uh, Timberlake actually. The Justin Timberlake song was actually good in my opinion. I thought Justin Timberlake sounded good. That was as good as I've granted, I don't listen to Justin Timberlake often. But that was about as good as I've heard Justin Timberlake in a while. I thought the beat was good. I thought you know, again, Jack Hall is gonna give a very short verse where he's not really rapping, you know, like it's very, very low level rhyming on this album. That's why I am low key interested to check out Jack Harlow's earlier work. Cause I would love to figure out has he rapped better than this? Like, I have to talk to some Jack Harlow supporter, fan, or whatever. Like, has he rapped better than this? Has he rapped different than this in the past? I would love to figure that out. Hold on. Sorry. I would love to figure that out, though. Like, I, I would love to figure out, has Jack Harlow rapped um, better in the past? Like, has he rapped differently or whatever? But anyways, I thought that song was pretty good. Uh... The Poison song with Lil Wayne was cool. I thought the last song on the album, that might have been my favorite. Outside of the Drake song, but that might have been my favorite song on the album. Like, Jack Harlow, it's a standalone track. It's the, you know, I want to call it the outro, but the last song on the album, and I thought he rapped with more passion. He's, you know, again, talking about struggling with dealing with fame and his family and that struggle of wanting to be famous. and dealing, But it came off genuine, though. Like, obviously, rappers have rapped about struggling with fame and not liking it. That's nothing new at all. But I thought it was still entertaining on the song because he was still genuine enough to, like, brag about being famous as well. Like, I'm not about to just talk about the struggles of being famous. I'm going to also shit on you in the process and talk about this money and talk about how y'all hate on me because the woman loved me and stuff, which I have an opinion on that, by the way. But yeah, this Jack Harlow album, what I would say about it is it's clearly not for me. Far away from being an album for me, Again, I'll probably try to check out his older, you know, projects to see if there's anything different about it because he's clearly like like I said, really trying to be mainstream, really trying to be popular, appealing, accessible, all of those things above. But I get the feeling he will make this type of music regardless. It's similar to like Drake in, in that way of like Drake makes the he's making these albums over and over again clearly because it works for him, but on top of it, this is just the kind of music that he prefers to make, I feel like. I don't feel like Drake will ever give us this full rap album where he's just rapping over these hard rap beats. No, he's not going to do that because he really loves to make R&B music. He he loves to make music for women, like Drake has said this numerous times. So Jack Harlow, I will say, the benefit of the doubt is I think he will make this type of music regardless even though he clearly strongly wants to be very famous, strongly wants to be mainstream, strongly wants a long career in the mainstream. You know what I mean? I won't be surprised if Jack Harlow wants to win 10 Grammys. He wants to win 15 Grammys in his career. Like, I know every artist would probably like that, but 
he clearly really really wants that for himself and you know he's very popular he has a hit song right now so salute to jack harlow for doing what he sought out to do um one thing i wanted to touch on is like if you have like a girlfriend that's in high school have a girlfriend that's in college black or white give her this jack harlow album she legit might like this album it makes sense why he has a strong woman fan base obviously they think that he's attractive but on top of that this is the type of rap music that yeah i can see them it's it's a very light album where again he's not it's very safe beats you know just typical rap beats he has a very monotone flow he doesn't change his voice and nothing like there's no risk at all. Like, he raps the same voice, using the same flow, rapping over the same kind of beats throughout the entire of the, the entire album. You know, and that's very redundant and boring to me. But I could see that appealing to somebody else. I could, I could see somebody like an 18-year-old girl or like a 22-year-old woman in college loving this album. And, they, you know, they have all the rights to love the album. So... I would say play this album for him. And I think that's a good thing for Jack Harlow. He has at least a target fan base to just cater to. I think a lot of younger artists in the industry, they fail because they don't really know who to exactly appeal to. So you're making this kind of music, but people don't want this type of music no more. Jack Harlow has a clear audience of that he could just feed this kind of music to. You know what I mean? That's something that benefits like a Drake. Like Drake knows exactly what his fan base wants to hear him say. They want these kind of beats on every album. They want the intro to sound like this. They want the outro to sound like this. Like he knows exactly future wants. He knows exactly what his fan base wants. That's important. So, um, yeah, I don't like the album at all. I wouldn't even rate the album. I don't do that. I'm not a music reviewer, but I just don't like the album. You know, one thing I also quickly before I move on want to touch on is like I've been seeing people be like, well, y'all just hating on this Jack Harlow album because women love Jack Harlow. And I think that's crazy. I think that's crazy because men like Dirk music and women like Dirk has a strong woman fan base, but. I don't see men hating on Lil Durk because men think Lil Durk make good music. So he he uh he satisfies both genders, like women and men. Jack Harlow, I just think men legit don't like that. I'm like, of course with Twitter, you see it with Drake, see it with Kanye, with J. Cole, wait, multiple rappers. People like to slander albums and call it mid and call it trash and stuff. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Um but this Jack Harlow album, I would say, I think people legit just don't like the album. <laughs> I just think people legit, because the same way he clearly has an audience that will love this album, I could see somebody that's a Kendrick stan not liking this Jack Harlow album. I could see somebody that's a Future stan that's not going to like this album. Like, if I'm on Jack Harlow's team, I would tell him, like, there's a lot of hate for you on the internet. And while it is legit, in my opinion... Don't be mad at it because you're making the kind of music that, yeah, it's going to be a lot of rap fans that don't like this kind of music. Same way it's going to be a, clearly a lot of rap fans that love this kind of music. Like, you just have to live with it or either change your music, you know what I mean? But as long as you're making this kind of rap music, this very commercial, generic, bland rap music, I know that might be a little too harsh to say, but that's the best way I, I can describe it. It's bland rap music. It's It's pop rap music, you know what I mean? You're going to have a certain group of people that every time you drop an album, they're going to hate on it. But you're also going to have a certain group of people that's going to love this album, that's going to buy your music, going to go to your show, going to buy a t-shirt, hoodie, whatever. So I just think people just legit don't like the album. I think the hate on Twitter is real. Like people just listen to the album. And they're like, yeah, this is very boring. 
You know, I think people understand that this just isn't the kind of album that's for them. Really, every type of album, you should have that kind of perspective on it. There's only a few albums that drop that get really popular that I just think is really trash. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, hold on, hold on. I'm texting somebody. Hold on. Sorry about that. Um, so... The next thing I wanted to touch on was the Kendrick Lamar release. Just last night, we got the heart part, the heart part five from uh, Kendrick Lamar. As somebody that's been a big, you know, Kendrick fan for years, I know the whole uh, heart series and everything. So that's uh, and I was definitely like, you know what, I'm excited to, you know, uh, to like listen to this. Like I'm excited to listen to this and hear this. You know what I mean? So. Kendrick put out the uh, video. I'm like, okay, this video definitely interesting. Like, definitely interesting. This might be actually, yeah, this is the first. No, it's not the first because we had a video for the first heart, the heart part one, which is low key like my second heart. If I had to rank my two favorites, it's the heart part two and the heart part one. The heart part three is probably my least favorite. I know a lot of people love that, but that's probably my least favorite heart. Um, but Kendrick, I'm like, okay, this video is dope. The production, that Marvin Gaye sample was done very well. That That's so Kendrick-like, you know what I mean? That's so Kendrick-like. So I'm like, okay, bet. Then Kendrick just starts flowing. Like, I mean, he's just, I mean, his flow, granted, it's a typical, like, Kendrick-type flow damn near, but I, I thought the flow was great. He was flowing over the beat amazingly. And, you know, just the, the lyrics and the bars and the song, like, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. It's a great song. It is a great, great song. I don't know. While I say it's a great song, I don't know if I feel as strongly as, like, I think some other people do. But that is me with Kendrick. Like, I love Kendrick, but I'm not as huge of a Kendrick. Like, growing up, like, in high school, I used to listen to Sepimpa Butterfly every day sophomore year of high school. You know, like, every day. Like, that album dropped, I remember, March of 2015. I used to to listen to that album all first hour because I could listen to music in my first hour. All second hour because I could listen to music in my second hour. Like, I love that album. I I played Kendrick a lot more when I was younger. Um, But I still love Kendrick, you know, as an artist. I just rarely ever listen to him, you know. But so this song, while it's a great song, I doubt that I'll be listening to it again and again and again over and over and I doubt that it would even be on the album, but I think it was a dope song. I think it was a dope way to like roll out the album, the video, the guys that did the deep fakes. That was amazing. Like just to see how technology is being used in such a great way. You know, like that video might be voted video of the year. You know, how award shows love Kendrick. Award shows love Kendrick. So I could, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kendrick gets video of the year for that video. You know. But yeah, the song was definitely dope. It was a dope, dope song. Um, I know a lot of people touching on the uh, deep fakes thing. Uh, 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 well, the deep fakes thing, but also the Nipsey verse at the end of the song. I thought that was dope. I think it was a dope, you know. Uh, I mean, he, he didn't really talk like if I knew Kendrick was going to rap from Nipsey perspective as, you know, as Nipsey in heaven talking to his fans and talking to his family. That's, you know, I'm in heaven and talking to Sam, his brother, telling him to, you know, show his interviews to his kids and telling the fans to, you know, investments and stuff and how, you know, it was very dope. It was just very, very, very dope. 
I'm interested, like I said, the features on the album. I'm expecting, you know, J-Rock, like I said, probably SZA, maybe Isaiah Rashad, but I doubt Isaiah Rashad. I just don't know if he will put him on the album. It would be dope, though, for sure. Don't get it twisted. I would love to hear another Kendrick Isaiah Rashad song. The one song they're on together was amazing. So um, I, I would love to hear that. But I'll probably say Schoolboy, J-Rock. Um, I do believe it, it's going to be a double disc, by the way. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much more to say about it. It's just a dope song. I will say on Twitter, usually I just bypass like bad tweets and like bad takes and, you know, takes that are not accurate and that are not real. But the person on Twitter that was like, oh, uh, it's been funny how J. Cole has been looked at as the, the, the uh, insightful rapper in mainstream hip hop when Kendrick makes more insightful music. You can feel like Kendrick makes more insightful music all you want. But I was just so irritated by that tweet because, yeah, like, like, okay, the main reason why I was irritated by the tweet, and I want to make sure I'm using my words very, very clear, because where the fuck did you get that Cole has been looked at as more insightful than Kendrick? For the past almost 10 years, Kendrick has been looked at as the most critically acclaimed, the best writer, the the best like the best album maker, the most creative mainstream rapper and mainstream hip hop for almost 10 years now. Ever since Kendrick dropped Good Kid Mad City. And trust me, I've been I, I watch all the YouTube videos of, of people's opinions. I watch the reviews. I don't read internet reviews like that no more, but just Twitter discourse or like internet discourse, Kendrick has been easily the most praised, the most critically acclaimed rapper over the last almost 10 years. So the fact that you would slight Cole for something that's not even legit, like Cole legit gets hate for being not as deep as Kendrick for years. So how can you just now all of a sudden try to revise history into making Kendrick this victim of like he's been looked down upon compared to Cole when it's been nothing short of like the total opposite bro like that shit like completely irritated me like and it's not because I'm like like trying to just defend one over the other it's more so because I'm just a rap fan and I understand that that is so false but people can just like say stuff that is not true you know and just get retweets and get likes then people in the comment section is like it's uh, colorism uh, for Cole being looked at as smarter than Kendrick, which, again, he hasn't been looked at as smarter than Kendrick. Kendrick has clearly been looked at as whether I agree with it or you agree with it or not. He's been viewed at as the most conscious, smartest mainstream rapper, the deepest. Main he has a Pulitzer Prize. He has way more Grammys than Cole. He performs at the Grammys. Cole has never performed at the Grammys. Now, we don't know the reasons why Cole hasn't performed at the Grammys, but I'm just saying we know Kendrick has performed at the Grammys multiple times. He wins at the Grammys every single year. He has a post-surprise, prize, performed at the Super Bowl. Like, he has, like, he's way more critically acclaimed. Like, Cole gets way more mixed reviews after every album from critics to fans or whatever. He gets criticized way more than, than Kendrick. So the fact that you were, like, somehow trying to make him to be, be this, like, this victim of, like, oh, my God, Kendrick has been looked at as less smarter than J. Cole. Like, what are you talking about? And there was a lot of people on Twitter that was letting her know, like, that's not true. But I think the reason why she tweeted that is because she also didn't know that J. Cole went to college. So I'm I'm saying that because she might not know how rap conversation has been going for the past. Like, she might just think think in her mind that Cole has been looked at as smarter than Kendrick. But she don't know rap 
enough to know that rap fans consider Kendrick to be the deep one. You know, consider Kendrick to be the the you know, uh, you know, just a deep complex rapper in in mainstream hip hop. She might not know that, so that's why she tweeted as if it's the other way around. When you know, it is what it is. I just thought that that was. Not even funny, but just like I was just so annoyed by just saying that because there's so many tweets. You could just lie. I'm about to just start lying on Twitter just so I could go viral myself. I'm about to just start tweeting anything, you know. But yeah, um, uh, I, I think the next thing I, I want to talk about is the NBA playoffs. The NBA playoffs. Uh, hold on. Uh, NBA playoffs. So we just had yesterday a great uh, Boston Celtics. Well, no, no, no. It wasn't yesterday. That was a couple of days ago. Well, we could touch on that series right now. The Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks about to go down game four tonight. I'm definitely interested to see what happens. Uh, Milwaukee's up 2-1 right now. Jason Tatum was horrible. Man, he was horrible. I can't even really like, like obviously, obviously the Bucks definitely have talent on the defensive side of the ball they have guys that can get it done on that end but what I will also say is though it's like Tatum just has to get to his spots and just be more aggressive I would say post guys up more like a lot of the guys they put on him he's taller than and I think he could you know get his way to like getting some layups and drawing some fouls and get himself going um Jalen Brown has kind of been up and down all playoffs so this isn't really what I'm like surprised by i can see him dropping 30 again tonight i actually anticipate for the celtics to win tonight um but yeah this series has been amazing this is like a great back and forth like each game i expect to go to the very last couple of minutes this is peak this is peak playoff basketball right here like Giannis is just incredible. I thought Drew Holiday hit some big shots. You can't expect Drew Holiday to be this efficient scorer, scoring 25, 30. Like he could give you 25, but is it going to be a pretty 25? Most likely not, especially against a very good Boston Celtics team. But, you know, he's getting it done right now. I had the uh, Bucks coming out the East before the playoffs started, so I'm going to just stick to the Bucks winning this series. But the Celtics could very well win this. They could very well win the next couple of games. Like, this is that kind of series. Um, I do respect for them to win tonight. I think a big thing for the Celtics tonight was to obviously J- Jason Tatum has to look like a superstar right now. You know what I mean? But outside of that, I think a big key to this series would be how well do they, again, shoot the three, you know, on top of shooting threes, could they somehow, like, Giannis is going to, no matter what, his stat line is going to be very well. But how exactly is those points, you know, getting done? Are they easy baskets? Are they, you know, in the rhythm of the offense? Or, you know, he could drop 35, for example. But when you watch the game, is that 35 happening? Like, is it scattered throughout the game? Is it just one dominant quarter? Is it like, you know, because... Maybe Giannis has a dominant second quarter, but if you can really make him struggle in the second half, I think that's important for, for the Celtics. Like, 35 is just what he's going to get. You have Nobody has really nothing to really stop Giannis from dropping 35, to be honest. So it's like he's going to get that, but what do you do to, like, 
scatter out those points? What do you do to like disrupt those points? Or like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how well do they shoot the three because Boston could go really cold shooting the three. That's one of the things that could hurt them, I guess, a team like the Warriors or, or like the, the Suns or something like that. Like sometimes while they have an amazing defense, if the Warriors are hot, if the Suns are hot in the finals, can the Celtics fire back? Like they really rely a lot on Jason Tatum, which he's become a great scorer and Jalen Brown is still a very good scorer, but man, they can easily get like Tatum isn't a great three point shooter. Jalen Brown, I won't call him a great three point shooter. Marcus Smart, I won't call him a great three point shooter. Like, how many marksmen do you really have from three? Um, so that's kind of like one one of their pitfalls or whatever. Um, I won't be surprised. It's just a random throw out there. I won't be surprised if Marcus Smart somehow. Just, has like a big game like he's, he's kind of due for like a big a big game or whatever you know what i mean he's he's kind of due for that um i will say so yeah that game will be very interesting tonight i want to also touch on that uh philly miami series that's an interesting series right there too that's an interesting series too uh hold on Hold on. That's a very uh, interesting series as well. I will say it's been interesting to just see how different, like, how different Philly is with, like, Embiid out there. I love to see it. I love to see how interesting they've been with uh, Embiid out there. Um, What I've been seeing from them is kind of what I've been expecting, right? I want to give Tobias his credit, man. Tobias low-key hasn't been getting fully his credit for what he's been doing. Like, not because, like, by the way, I'm not saying he should get like top news, headline news credit, but he's been pretty solid for him, right? You know, and for a guy that's been, you know, struggling sometimes in the playoffs previous seasons, for him to be more solid this season, it, it, it is like finally, like finally you're out there doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, but I'll, you know, give him his credit, man. Give him his, you know, his credit. Um, I would say about this series, come on, let Ducker Robinson out there, man. As a Michigan, like, basketball fan, like, let Ducker Robinson out there. Let him go out there and cook. Let him go out there and just, you know, I don't know, because he is, okay, I get it from both sides. Like, Spolstra doesn't want to put him out there, and I understand it, because, like, he is not good on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> um, but, man, like, give him – 15 minutes maybe like come on like i don't know miami heat fans hit me up and let me know how how exactly do you guys feel about that like how exactly do you guys feel about that to be honest like do you feel like he should be sitting do you feel like it's unfair feel like it is fair because the national media feel like it's a problem but but like maybe you know it's it, it is what it is to you, you know what I mean? Because definitely it'd be teams like that for me where, like, people would be like, why is he out there? But I'm like, well, there's a reason why he's not really out there. Like, it's a reason why, you know, he's not out there. You know, so I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I'm getting a little distracted right here. Typically I don't, but I just had to just check on my phone real quick, phone blowing up and stuff. But, um, yeah. So game five in Miami, that's game. 
to be honest, I think whoever wins game five is going to win the series. I don't see the series going seven. For whatever reason, I just don't see the series going seven. I feel like if Miami win game five, they will win game six in Philly. If Philly win game five, I think, oh, you know what? Something about Philly and just James Harden, I just don't trust. I was about to say, if Philly win game five, I think they'll win game six. I just don't trust them guys. I don't know. But it's an interesting series. It's been fun to watch. Seeing James Harden go off like that was, isn't it crazy to say, seeing James Harden go for 30 was kind of nostalgic? Is that the right way to just say it right now? Um, But hopefully he's out there playing well. Because I think that makes the series way more interesting. And I think Embiid deserved to get some help. Um, by the way, speaking of Embiid, before we move on to the Suns in Dallas, I've been, you know, Jokic has just been announced as the MVP of the NBA this season. Congrats to Jokic. Don't have really no real big opinion to say about it. But, you know, congrats to Jokic. <laughs> I mean, you know, in the history of the game, to see, you know, multiple um they see multiple, you know, back, you know, usually you got the Michael, the Magic, Larry Bird, Steph, LeBron, Tim Duncan, just to name a few back-to-back MVPs. For Jokic to be up there, I will say, people are being a little too unfair to Jokic because last year he definitely deserved it, in my opinion. And by the way, just because he wins two MVPs back-to-back doesn't mean he has to be a, a top 20 player in the history of the game. He could just really just those two seasons deserve those MVP awards. Like, no matter how you feel about Steve Nash and those MVP awards, he, Steve Nash, in my opinion, doesn't have to be on Kobe's level all time to to have to be deserving of his two MVP. Maybe just those two seasons for, for Steve Nash was just amazing seasons for Steve Nash where he won the award. I don't think you have to have the longevity career of, of NBA legends to have to win two back-to-back MVPs. I, I just think that's just kind of foolish. And that's the that's the popular thing to say right now. Like, oh, man, Jokic isn't on Michael Jordan, LeBron uh, level, so he doesn't really deserve that back-to-back MVP. Like, are you serious right now? Like, I don't know. I, I just think it's just unfair. I think dude deserve both MVPs. That's just my, my take on it. If I have to give an MVP and there's a plane flying, hopefully you do not hear that plane flying. Um, but... Um, my pick was Giannis to win the award. I just thought Giannis, what he was doing, he was the best player throughout the season, in my opinion. Impacted the game the best on defense, in my opinion, out of, you know, Jokic and the beat. But I'm not mad at Jokic getting the award. I just had to defend Jokic a little bit on that. I'm not the biggest Jokic fan, but I'm a basketball fan, and I love to watch him play. So, you know, I just had to say that. I'm not a Jokic fan, by the way. I'm not. But I'm just a fair basketball washer. I'm a smart, fa- uh, fair basketball washer. Um, but the Suns and the Dallas Mavericks, man, this series, granted, I did say after game two, like, I just don't know how Dallas is going to respond. I was one of those people that was worried for Dallas. I'm like, man, the defense, it was mainly a defense thing. I I saw, you know, Finney Smith and Jalen Brunson playing better at home. I, I saw that coming. But, the defense and how well they've been, like, they've clearly made a adjustment. Salute to Jason Kidd. I think in his future, he could possibly win a Coach of the Year award. Um, by the way, salute to Monty Williams winning that Coach of the Year award. He deserved it. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but they clearly made a adjustment on the defensive side of the ball. I think what they've been doing in terms of like 
way better at closing out. I think they've been way better at trying to stay in front of guys. Like the Suns have been clearly just easy, easily getting to the rim, doing whatever they want. Let me just drive to the rim, da 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 da, and just like they've been doing better at defending on the perimeter. I'm not about to say Luca's just been locking guys up. He hasn't been. That's that's false. But they've been better on the perimeter side of the ball uh, defensively, and they've been hot from three. I, 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 it might have been a blessing in disguise for Luca to not have it going the way he didn't have it going in game four. Because if Luca was hitting shots over and over again, while Luca can, he's a superstar, he can take over a game and win it. So they might have won regardless, you know, uh, last game, because the role players like Jalen Brunson, Finney Smith had it going. But on top of them, if Luca has it going, maybe they clearly win the game as well that way. But I say it might have been a blessing in disguise because if Luca has it going, maybe those passes, because he made extra passes, like an extra swing pass for a three. He might have not made that pass if he had it going. You know what I mean? He might have not made that pass if he was hitting every three and step back and then going off or whatever. But. Game five will be very – Dallas got a shot. I'm still going to stick to the Suns win this series. I, you know, that home court advantage, that Phoenix crowd is low-key, might be the best crowd right now in the NBA right now. So I just – Chris Paul, he, he got to get it together. He's showing his age right now. He's showing his age because five points, six fouls, and the fouls are legit fouls. This not me being like – if you don't know me, I'm not a big Chris Paul fan like that. I respect that he's one of the greatest point guards ever. I'm just not that big of a fan of him and how he just does certain things to try to manipulate. Everybody flops pretty much, granted. But Chris Paul, I don't know. He's just a certain way. He just tries to get over on, on you know, the officials and try to do just dirty stuff. Like plenty of history of him being a dirty physical player. But and it's weird because it's not like it's out of, you know, a uh, retaliation he just does it like he just does slick foul shit or whatever i don't know i don't know but chris paul has to be better he has to make him have some type of impact on the game whether he doesn't have to drop 25 30 but he has to have some impact on the game playmaker wise defensively has to make some impact on the game mainly just with his playmaker i think that's one of the things that was missing like, outside of Devin Booker, nobody else was eating on the team. And if Chris Paul is going to be the playmaker that he says that he is, then he has to playmake for other guys and be that impactful point guard on the team. So that's what I would say about it. But outside of that, I would say the next series I want to talk about is the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. Game three was an interesting game. I think the Warriors just handled business. <clears throat> I think Wiggins going off the way, I want to say going off, but starting off the game as well as he started in that first quarter was very, very important for the Warriors. Very important for the Warriors. Um, because, like, people don't, don't understand, like, basketball is a four-quarter game. Like, they understand it, but they don't really understand it. I, maybe because you just don't really, you know, have experience playing basketball or whatever. But, like, Somebody going off like that in in the first quarter or like the second quarter, for example, and Wiggins didn't, didn't necessarily go off, but he had a very good first half. It could impact the game to where the Warriors are up by eight points at halftime, but if Wiggins doesn't score those points, excuse me, in the first uh, quarter, in the second quarter, maybe maybe that that halftime score is different, and maybe Memphis feels better about themselves going into the third. Like basketball really is it's so back and forth. It's so much momentum based, like so much. So like 
certain guys, whether it's a role player hitting a few big threes or whatever, it can really impact the game. Like the first half points affect how teams come out in the second half. Like the Warriors clearly in the third quarter, I don't know what goes on in that in that locker room. I think whenever there's a documentary on the Warriors, I'm calling for them to talk about the third quarter. What do they talk about at, at, at halftime? I do know there's a story of like Steph looking at Twitter at halftime. So that's very funny and like interesting. <laughs> That's very funny and, like, interesting. You know what I mean? That's definitely uh, funny and, like, interesting how, you know, he, like, looks at Twitter. That's so real, you know what I mean? Like, to be honest. But back to the series, I would say Wiggins definitely played well. His rebounding, the Warriors have been killing them on the boards, you know what I mean? Uh, They've they been killing them on the boards, and that's been the most surprising part of this series. Jaw going off is not surprising, right? Um, But that's been, like, the most surprising part of this entire series, I would say. Like, I did not see that coming at all. That was, like, the Warriors, like, legit, obvious, you know, weakness. Like, the fact that they... The fact that they, you know... Don't really got, like, Steph tries to help on rebounds. That's why Otto Porter Jr., as somebody that's been watching the Warriors a lot this this regular season, I've been saying Otto Porter has to help hit those threes. He had a couple of shots in the uh, uh, last game because I don't know what happened to his jumper. Like, Otto Porter could shoot threes. Now he hasn't been hitting nothing lately. But um, rebound the ball well, and on top of that, just, you know, be that energy. And he's been helping on the boards. Um, and Wiggins, man, his hustle and stuff, like, I think they're going to keep him. Granted, I was talking about them trading him, you know, because, like, he was really, like, after the All-Star break, struggling. But now, even though he's not putting up 20 or 25 or 30, he doesn't have to. When Steph drops 30, when when Klay Thompson is a efficient 20, when Jordan Poole is a efficient 25-20, why would you need another 20? All you need is three guys to give you 20 points, you know, and you should be good. Because the Warriors can't play defense as well. So I think the most, you know, interesting part of the series as well is, you know, John Morant unfortunately getting injured. I thought that, you know, that sucked. You know, that that wasn't good. I will say, though, John tweeting out that broke the cold stuff and everything. Like, obviously, it was, it was a shot at Steve Kerr, I believe, more so than a shot at Jordan Poole. And I understand it, like, because Steve Kerr was definitely kind of gassing it a little bit on – you broke the code and you did this and that. You should have did this and you shouldn't have did this. You know what I mean? Like he was definitely doing that. So I, I understand it. I thought it was, you know, cool or like, you know, funny. Um, But come on, like, I don't think what Jordan Poole did was dirty. If that was dirty, do you have to call what, what Desmond Bain did was dirty? Desmond Bain, the ball is under Desmond Bain. He's still falling on Jordan Poole's leg, like, this series has, has definitely been wild. It's been a, a wild series. <laughs> it's been a wild series. Once I saw Ja limping after the game, I knew he was going to miss game four. Now, I do believe he'll probably miss game five as well. He'll probably be back if there's a game six beater for game six. But then again, he might come back because it's like that Ben Simmons thing where if you're not going to come back now, why would you come back later? Like, if you're down 3-1, you have to come back for game five, right? So hopefully he is back, though, sooner than later. Um, But, yeah, Taylor Jenkins going out tweeting about, 
He thinks Jordan Poole did, you know, he basically just gamesmanship and doing what Steve Kerr did. I'm not that mad at it. You know what I mean? It is what it is. He's just defending his his uh, his superstar and want to, you know, see some, in their eyes, fair treatment. Because Dylan Brooks, they feel, I'm, I'm sure they feel like Dylan Brooks, what he did was not right. But they don't feel like it was dirty. And they obviously wouldn't want him to be suspended for game three. But he was suspended for game three. So they want Jordan Poole to be suspended for game four. We know what they're doing. They're not slick. They ain't low. You, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. Oh, my God. It's so loud. Hold on. Sorry about that. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah. They ain't low. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Clay Thompson, uh, efficient 20. It's real funny. Like, we don't know what we're going to get. But while people have been saying Clay Thompson just isn't the old Clay Thompson, this kind of is the old Clay Thompson, though. Like, Clay Thompson has, has never just been lights out, super efficient throughout every game of the playoffs. I said last podcast, look at the finals. Clay Thompson NBA Finals history shows you right there. He's not this super consistent, like never, never messes up, never misses shots, doesn't ever be inefficient type of guy. Like he, he, he sometimes is streaky. That's Clay. He's a shooter like that. Like it is what it is. But I anticipate for the Warriors to whoop the Grizzlies again in Game Four. I expect them to whoop them again in Game Four. This one might be different though. I feel like this one the Warriors might be way more up in the first half, and then. The third quarter is, is going to get nasty for the Grizzlies. It's going to get nasty. This is why when people point out, oh, the Grizzlies record in the regular season without John Morant, like, don't make a big deal out of that. Obviously, that could hurt John in his MVP race, which I think that's kind of crap because we see, again, like, okay, they win a lot of games without them in the regular season, but teams focus differently in the postseason. The Warriors are actually more healthy now. Steph, Clay, and Draymond is actually playing together now. Like, it's just different. Like, you, in the playoffs, you need that unstoppable superstar to beat a great team. They need that. So, we'll see what happens. I, I expect Steph to go off. I expect Steph to probably go off at like 35. I, I'm not going to lie. Ha, you know, have a big score on night. Jordan Poole probably won't be as efficient as he was last game, game three. But I expect him to be very good this game as well. And, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what the Grizzlies can really do. I think just... Really, really hope that you can knock down your threes. Hope that Jaren Jackson has a really, really good game. Dylan Brooks, I think he'll be motivated, obviously. Hope, hopefully, they hope that he could be the Steph Curry stopper, which that's kind of bullshit when you go through the history. He's not really that much of a Steph Curry stopper. But anyways, I'm sure they hope that he's a Steph Curry stopper. And yeah, um, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. I just suspect the Warriors to whoop him up. And then game five, same thing, like, this series probably should be done in five. I'm not going to lie. But I said that about the Phoenix Suns. They're going to handle the Dallas Mavericks, and that's not happening. So we'll see. Um, I'll, I'm noticed real quick, maybe I should just see. Because, like, every time the Bucks win, the Warriors win right after. So if the Bucks win tonight, I think if you're a Warriors fan, be confident that you're going to win, you know, this game tonight. Be confident. Um, and real quick, it was this tweet about how – how basketball now, people don't watch the game for fun. They watch it to, like, slander these players. And it's so real. And I think it really comes from these sports shows. I think First Take and these ESPN talk shows every day, they've really made it to where we not even really watching it for fun. It's just because at the end of the day, you're going to lose. Steph is going to lose. LeBron is going to lose. KD, Harden, Luka, Trey, Devin Booker, they're all going to lose. They're all going to have bad games. It is what it is. That's what comes with 
playing at the highest level of basketball in the playoffs. You're going to lose, going to have bad games. But people don't want to watch the game for fun. They want these players to be perfect every game. If you're not perfect, just with Steph, Warriors lost game two, and we had to hear all types of Jordan Poole, the best player on the Warriors. Like, what? We had to hear all types of stuff. Uh, Steph Curry legacy and this and that. I understand there's a conversation of is Steph Curry top 10 all time? And a lot of people feel like he has to do more to be top 10 all time. I agree with that. But why are we having these conversations like, it's game three of the second round. Like, I can't, maybe if it was the finals and it's game six of the finals, okay, bet. Obviously, legacy talk is going to be there. But come on, like, are we serious? We know how people feel about Steph. He's one of the 20 greatest players in the history of the game to most people. Leave it at that. Like, every game, though, like, even with James Harden, I'm not that big of a James Harden fan, but, man, every game is legacy talk, legacy, legacy, le- like, Oh my gosh, we know these guys' legacy. Let these guys finish the season and then maybe talk about their legacy and how different is it. You know, like, I don't know. It's just so annoying. So that tweet about how basketball isn't really looked at for fun. It's just to whoever loses, we're going to slander them. Like, why do every time somebody loses a series, do we have to slander them? Like, if the Grizzlies lose to the the Warriors, why do we have to slander Ja? Why do we have to slander the Grizzlies? If the Suns lose, I get it would be very surprising, but why do we have to just slander, and I'm not a Chris Paul fan, like I've said, I'm far from a Chris Paul fan, but why do we have to slander these guys? Like, I don't know. It's just a question to ask. I'm not asking for the basketball world to be super positive and hunky-dory. I think that would kind of be boring and just unrealistic of me to expect that, but come on, at a certain point, we have to get to a different, like, uh, point in basketball to where we just really watching the game for fun. Whoever wins, obviously we praise them, but whoever loses, we can critique them, talk about what they should have did better, but not joking and clowning them 24-7 every time somebody loses. Like it's it's a guarantee. Whoever loses is gonna get crazy outlandish jokes, gonna get unnecessary talk segments, talk segments on first take. We're gonna get unnecessary segments on undisputed on all these Fox Sports shows, like, I don't know. It's just annoying. It's just annoying, bro. It's just annoying. But that's about it. This might be my longest episode, to be honest. Um, I just had to talk on the Jack Harlow, how bad that album was. Talk about Kendrick, how good that single was, but how maybe it's a little overhyped. And I'm still excited for the album. How crazy that tweet was about how Cole has been looked at as more insightful than Kendrick when that's not true. I had to talk about the... You know, Miami, Philly, James Harden somehow looking like James Harden. By the way, Harden ain't going to be looking like that regularly. I saw a Bleacher report, James Harden is back. And that was cute. I'm not going to really hate on it. You know what I mean? But he's not back. He's going to be back to being, first of all, he wasn't really all that. I don't want to be that guy because I'm not always talking about numbers and efficiency. But he wasn't really all that efficient anyways in that game that he came back or whatever. So whatever. But have to talk about that Dallas Phoenix that series is going to be amazing that kid should have got his ass kicked by Chris Paul I don't know if for sure he did what they said that he did touching his wife and his mother but if he did I would be cool if like Charles Barkley said come down to the court and get your ass with one-on-one like but anyways yeah this has been another episode thank you for listening I definitely uh definitely appreciate you you guys for listening 
the numbers are going up each episode. So I'm going to just continue to provide you with content. I'll probably be giving another episode in the next few days. Certainly when Kendra dropped this next album, this up this uh upcoming Friday, I'll be, you know, giving my thoughts and my reactions on the album. Excited. So yeah, Twitter, new J N U J A Y Y Y, three Y's on that. And yeah, for more opinions, can just follow that. You know, interact with me, ask me any questions about life, music, relationship, basketball, obviously, because I talk that a lot. Rap music, because I talk that a lot on my timeline. But yeah, um, thanks for listening and we out.